can have cereal for lunch. There's no rules in Sylvan's fantasy world. Okay. The only podcast ever to cover all of Australian Survivor. The history of the entire show from 2002 right through to the modern day, 2019, at least at the time of recording this. We are back for another episode. The episode that is episode 8. And we are here to recap episode 3 of Australian Survivor season 1. The Losing Streak, the episode that first aired on the 27th of February, 2002. And while you're listening to us talk about this episode, I just want you to all just kind of just calm yourself down, think happy, nice thoughts, and take yourself to a place, a magical place, where you can have cereal for lunch, you've got four pizzas that you can eat. The world is your imaginary oyster, because it is a place called Sylvan's Fantasy World, and we are in it this evening or today, or whenever you're listening to this as part of our recap tonight. My name is Ben, and I'm thrilled to be here in Sylvan's Fantasy World. Ben, I've been in Sylvan's Fantasy World ever since we started this uh, (laughs) ASA podcast. Um, (laughs) What an episode we have to cover tonight. we got some big characters, some big confessionals, and uh, I just can't wait to just jump right in and and, uh, get amongst it and relive Whaler's Way 2002. It's it's a bit of a sad episode because we're going to lose a a person that we invented a fan club a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how you're feeling going into this episode. Uh, let's just get this right. He's not just a person. We're talking about the king, the king of Kadena, David Haas. Make sure you get that right next, uh, next time. Never just refer to him as a person. The king, his excellency, uh, David <laughs> Haas. Um, between David Haas, the ass on the toilet seat, and Sylvan's magical fantasy world, there's, a, there's Kadena... It may have been Kadena Lotto uh, in episode two, but this is like Kadena.com. This is just everything about it. But actually, I mean, you're right. You said this is actually another great episode. And I think there's a real balance in this episode. We've got some great Kadena stuff. We actually have some really good Tapara stuff in this episode. I would say maybe some of the most important stuff in this entire season when it comes to actually setting the foundations for, for what this season will turn out to be. And I think what... I'm personally discovering again in this rewatch is that you really do pick up the intricacies and all this sort of stuff from this season that you really do miss. And again, we just sound like broken down records every week, Matt, when we're talking about, Oh, give it a chance, give it a chance. But it's actually in the third episode, we have some great strategy going on in this episode. We have some really good stuff. And I am discovering, and I, you and I are maybe the two biggest advocates for this season in the entire world, but I, I mean, I'm discovering even more things. I'm, I'm discovering even more things to defend this and talk this season up, which is incredible again. 
every time I watch it, you definitely learn something new about a, a character and about relationships uh, within the group. And, and you're you're 100 right. This episode it sets up alliances that will follow us and last for the rest of this season. And this is the episode that you start learning where everyone fits in, who's getting along with who, who's not getting along with who, who's rubbing people the wrong way, who's flying under the radar, who's playing to win. Um, it's, a, it's a really important episode. And, um, yeah, it's, it's such an important one for us to recap tonight. And I think um, you hit the nail on the head there about kind of alliances and who's going with who and everything. While, while episode two was maybe a character-centric episode, we talked up kind of a lot of foundations there when it comes to really showcasing the, the characters and personalities of these players. This is definitely a strategy-based episode. We are really seeing things fit into things. So we're going to really get the establishment of the Katie-Rob dynamic, the Katie-Shona dynamic, and Sophie is finally brought into that dynamic too. We've sort of mentioned how Sophie hasn't really played into this yet. She will in this episode. And then also, I think too, when we go over to Kadena, uh, Craig really, I think, finally starts to get out of that shell because we've talked about how he's been a bit of a slow burn so far. But Craig's going to be a very important part of this season, particularly in the middle sections. And I think even a lot of around Kadena's uh, alliances, or really more so lack of alliances, I think the real comparative thing that I'm really getting from this season and I think this is really important for the history of Australian Survivor to really acknowledge how this game is building. This is very parallel and very mirrored to Borneo because you really do have Pagong is Kadena and Targi is Tapara on just the way they're built, how one tribe is almost very poisonous to the aspect of a, of an alliance. And yet the other one, you've kind of got this core four, which is going to dominate the game. So... I think just the parallels between the two is quite incredible. And I don't know how much you know or remember about Borneo when the last time you would have seen it, but it's it's actually really incredible to watch this and think of the comparisons you can really label against Season 1 from the US version. Yeah, it's only been a few years since I've, I've watched the um, Borneo season. And you're right, there is a lot of comparisons. And it's probably I'm going to, once this season's we're finished recapping this season, I'm definitely going to go back and watch Borneo again just to get that good idea of how close it was between the Australian version and the American version around those early 2000 periods. But um, I think this episode is important too, because you're right. We, we, we finally get to see a bit of Sophie and we definitely see Craig. So we, we, we're understanding where they fit in their tribes. Surprisingly though, and it's something I didn't realize until, you know, watching it again tonight before this recap, we still don't know anything about Joel. And and we're three episodes in now, and we still don't know anything about Joel. And it's a bit like in my season with Benji. He didn't get a confessional for the first six episodes. So it's interesting that even back then, like some characters that go a long way, you still don't see them early on in the game. If they're not giving enough for the storyline, they, they just won't show them. I, I definitely... Um, 100% agree. I think we're not seeing Joel. But the difference I would say, I think, is... Joel's importance in this game, I think, is perhaps, you know, over overexposed in people's minds because I think the, the narrative around Joel, it will really pick up in episode five after Tapara finally lose a player. And a lot of that will play into his conscious and kind of how he's feeling about playing a game, you know, feeling like he's backstabbing people. That's kind of his narrative. Joel's narrative comes down to... 
him playing an honourable game, not going against his beliefs. You know, he ultimately sacrifices himself, which will change up this core four that has already formed in this episode. And and I really think that kind of right now, he, his role is the goofball. He's a bit of fun. Like, uh, I mean, you know, we saw it last episode with the, the ring and the bell and love and life. This episode, he's talking about his beard and kind of just like, Joel's a, Joel's a goofball lot of fun. But I, I, yeah, I think that there's not, I mean, I could be wrong. This is where we can learn a little bit more from Lance and Katie later on. But to me, there's just nothing to show of Joel at this point. We just see he's, he's just the life of the party. And because, yeah, I, th- I just think I always often used to get confused thinking that Joel was this key part of this, you know, Tapara 4 that controlled the game. But Joel's not. Joel, Joel's, I mean, we hear it in this episode, don't we? We hear it when Katie and uh, Rob are talking about who should they get alongside and they basically dismiss Joel straight away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Joel's hes not, Joel's not the, the character that's putting these alliances together. And as we learn uh, as the episodes go on, he, he has no idea alliances are even forming well into the game um so yeah he he's definitely not an important part of this whole change of tactics i guess within the the tapara tribe where they're now you know by by day sort of nine they're definitely working out okay how are we going to get to the end who are we going to go with um which is one thing i love about this episode because you go back to the katina tribe well they they're already two down leading into this episode um and a lot of those players, the ones that are on the outs, and that's the king of Kadena, David Haas, he's fully aware of where he sits in the tribe. So this is a great episode for him, although he obviously does end up getting voted out. he He's fully aware the whole time of where he sits, and he's actually he is trying to make moves as much as he can, and um, it, it makes for an interesting episode, definitely for Kadena. Which I think, moving straight into this episode, it's... and. I really appreciated the strategy in this episode because I think that's a criticism that this season often gets. They often say, you know, people say that there's no strategy. It's there's nothing going on. It's it's boring and and this is where I can't even claim innocence in this because I've I've been listening to some older podcasts where I've heard comments of what I've said about this. There was an article which Cable shared, which I think, you know, we've talked about how I all but said that this season was shit. So, like, I, I'm not acting that I've never badmouthed this season before. But I think in hindsight, the the viewpoint of there's no strategy, the game doesn't pick up until all the, you know, Kadena people are gone and it's just to par. Like, it's not true because you're right. Like, we get this straight away in this beginning. And this is the first time I think we've actually had a pre-credits scene where we're actually seeing something before they get into the credits. And it's basically the aftermath of Tribal. David is is upset that he's had a vote against him. And basically, they're discussing, you know, should we call out who voted for who? We got bloody great old Sylvan chucking a bit of a, you know, like, oh, I feel like shit because, you know, just because I didn't get a vote, you know, oh, I shouldn't have to feel this way. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's classic Sylvan, straight up. So Sylvan's... This is a great Sylvan episode. We've got plenty to talk about. We're not even near his fantasy world yet. But, I mean, I like this. I, this is a, obviously a staple of Survivor now. It's a, it's a pre-credits thing. But this, I don't even know if the US version was doing this at this time. I can't really remember, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't recall. But it, it's definitely a great start to the episode. Like, when you've you've got David, so he's come back. He's, he's survived Tribal 2, but he's got a vote. And he, I think he was probably already aware that he was on the outs, the fact that he'd been sick. And then he comes back, and and he he does. He wants to know who voted for him, but not just 
he doesn't just want to know who voted for him. He wants to know why. And, and he, he, he actually says, you know, someone either thinks I'm a weakness or a, or a threat. So, you know, and then I think, is it Deborah might, she sort of says, oh, well, do, do you want us to confess up or something? He's like, no, 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 I don't want that. You know, I'm just saying, you know. So it, it's it's interesting because it, it's obviously clearly playing on his mind. It's it's very Lex from Africa. Not not quite to the extent of Lex where, you know, obviously yeah, good Lex... Good example. Yeah, Lex lost it a lot more than this and kind of there was collateral damage with people like Kelly going home and ultimately T-Bird came clean that it was her. But, um, yeah, I think it's got very a lot of similarities. But what, what I think is great, like, and I think kind of pretty much all of this we can kind of lump all into one basket before the reward challenge because I think... I feel we've we've criticised some of the editing in this season and kind of we've thought, well, it feels a bit odd. It feels a bit off. But, you know, we're, as we're discovering, they're kind of finding their feet. We're getting a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Like Lincoln is constant communication with us, listening to our episodes. Thanks, Lincoln. We appreciate your input every week, and it sort of helps us out. And we'll definitely talk about something that um, you've, you've messaged in during the week, which is great insight. But I really appreciate the editing in this episode in the lead-up to the reward challenge because, to me, it all ties in together because you've got kind of the balance between Kadena, the balance between Tapara. So the main bits here after the credits, David's sort of talking about, you know, look, if there's no alliances, then, you know, where am I fitting in? You know, we get to emerge. What's going to happen with me? You know, I need to find some people basically to work with. And I love that line where David's like, you know, oh, you know, Sylvan's laid back. You know, the girls are laid back. I'm not laid back. Like, David's like, I'm not. You know, I, I, I want to form an alliance, which I love. Like, I, this is a dirty word in, you know, early Survivor, the word alliance. And it's going to be a dirty word in this tribe as well, this episode. Well, I was just about to say, it's not just a dirty word word in Survivor at that period. It's an it's a filthy word in the Kadena tribe. They do not want to talk alliance. Well, they're certainly making out. They don't want to, if anyone dares try to try to make an alliance, you know, it, it's like, that's it. You're gone. But, I mean, David's clearly... I mean, he's a smart man. He knows he's on the bottom. He knows that he's not the easiest person to get along with because, you know, you've got people like Sylvan and Craig who are just sort of relaxing, especially Sylvan. Uh, Deb's just easy going, gets along with everyone. Um, and then you've got him who's who's obviously, you know, can get irritated pretty easily. And he's aware of that. And he, he wants to stay in the game. He's not there just for the fun of it. He's there to win. So... Yeah, it, it, I like. I do appreciate his awareness of where he sits in that tribe. Parallels again to Bagong. This is exactly the same as Bagong. Like that was a dirty word. They didn't want to form alliances. You know, Colleen, Jenna. They just they didn't want a bar of it. Yet Jervis and Joel were working through it, and basically they just they just would not have a bar of it. And I think this goes into our point from um, you know a couple of weeks ago in episode two, where if David was on um, Tapara he would be like he would be suited so well because oh, he's there like people often talk that this season only had like two people three people who were playing the game david is playing the game and and yes again people play the game differently but you've got to look at this again in the context of where we are with survivor it doesn't matter what version we are this is david's ahead of his time i'm saying it right you've said yep. it before like you're the you're the king of the king Kadena fan club but, like, you've got to see how ahead of his time he is here, that he's this paranoid... Not even paranoid, that's not the right word. Like, he's working out how to get ahead right now. He, he's self-aware. He's yeah, self-aware of... And he's not just self-aware, but he's aware of his surroundings. He's aware of the people he's playing with, the fact he's playing with a bunch of 20-year-olds. 
I'm fully – he would know exactly what Sylvan's like. It's probably – during that time that he was out there, it was probably killing him, the fact he's like Sylvan, you know, just chilling out, doesn't really care. And here David is, like, he's trying to play this game to win half a million dollars, and he's surrounded by these people that are just like, ah, oh, there's no alliance here, let's just, you know. And he's thinking, like, that. that's hard to play with. I'm telling you, Ben, when you su- – Survivor isn't as easy as people think. We all have an idea of how we're going to go out there and play. And I've said this to you before, not on this podcast, but on the Oz Network. I've said to you, it's all good going out there and playing the game with an idea of how you're going to play. But that does not mean the other seven or 11 people that you start off with in a tribe are going to play the same way. Because Mm -hmm. not everyone's out there for the same reasons. Not everyone knows the game as well as you may know it. So there's all these factors you've got to take into. There's younger people. There's older people, people with different morals. There's so many things. He was aware of what was going on, but he didn't have the people around him in Kadena to, for him to to thrive through that game. And I, th- I absolutely agree. And I think that when it comes to the tying in with the editing here, you know, we kind of, we get that connected back to Tapara here all of a sudden where all of this really comes down to Rob's fantastic confession. And again, like the king, like the king of Kadena, we've got the king of Kadena, but the king of Australian Survivor right here, he's basically just saying things are too cheesy right now. Things are too nice. Oh, do you want to go to the restaurant? Like, oh, just, he's like, I'm over it. We're here to play a game. I'm sick of being nice. And we get this brilliant confessional, like back to what you were saying about how they're kind of in the background. He just sort of like looks at the camera and is just like, oh, well, better go back to it and slap some backs. He kind of has this like <laughs> wry little nod at the camera and then kind of just casually walks up with his arms out as if to say like, oh, Rob's here. <laughs> But he he, he he says his last line, he turns around, takes a couple of steps, looks back, has a little grin, and then turns around and then puts his arms out like he's going to go tap people on the shot. Oh, brilliant. And it's funny because that that exact confessional is probably the time that I was like, okay, I know I said last week that, you know, I, I'm not ready to say he is the 100% greatest Australian player of all time. He's definitely in contention. But the more I see confessionals like this and gameplay like this, I tell you what, it's making it hard for me to pick anyone else because it is brilliant. Uh, what, what's better than a king? Is an, is an emperor bigger than a king? I don't know. But oh, Yeah, I mean, it, it's I don't know. Like That's a good point. <laughs> but like the, here's the parallels that I'm even getting on this rewatch. He's very Brian Heideck, maybe not to the absolute arrogance of Brian, but he he can play it up and really kind of talk himself up while at the same time remaining on everyone's good side and people not knowing what he's doing. And, like, this is, again, why I, I'm just going to sell this. This is this entire Season 1 recap series I'm turning into the, the Ben Waterworth sells Rob Dixon as the greatest Australian survivor player of all time because it's that self-awareness. It's just everything about what he is doing around these people to just full-on play the game, toy with people, and just... He's a fantastic character. Like, there's a line in this episode, too, which is going to come to it. Like, he is just... He is gold wrapped in everything. And, like, if he had not sadly left us a decade ago and they were doing this all-star season, 
I, I would be like, I love Katie Gold to bits, but I would be more mad that Rob Dixon was overlooked because I just, I cannot fathom a world in which this man is still alive. There is an Australian survivor existing. There's an All-Stars version existing and he is not even in contention to return because he would he would do so well in Modern Survivor as well as he would have in this version of Survivor. Oh, of course he would. I mean, he's got the personality where, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the first ever season of Survivor or, you know, season 40, all winners. You know, like, he he could do well in, in any season he played in any decade. And the difference between him and my man David Haas is that they're both aware of their surroundings. But you look at Rob and he actually... He actually says it in that in that confessional line. He says the constant constant niceness is getting to him. I think the diff and, and we know the same thing is happening with David Haas over in Kadena. It's annoying him. He's sick of all the nice. It's it, he's just jack of it. Like he is done with it. The difference is Rob can hide it more. Rob can still put on that smiley face. He can still let Katie go and cuddle him. He can still go up and keep Shona happy. He can still keep Sophie happy. He still knows how to keep his shit together. And just long enough to get him through get and build those more, you know, bonds with people. Where I think with David, he's playing the same game, but I think he's probably people can tell that he's getting pissed off, getting annoyed, and then that rubs other people the wrong way. That's the difference. Could not agree anymore. You're 100% right. That's exactly the difference. And I think that that helps build a complete survivor player. If you're capable of, you know, building relationships being ruthless, wanting to play the game, remaining social, but not to the extent where you're perceived as a social threat. Um, you, you, you know, you summed it up before that Survivor is not an easy game to play. There is no 100% absolute way to win this game. Absolutely none. I mean, we can sum that up in all six Australian Survivor winners. No one has played the same game twice. So, you know, there's, there's absolutely no perfect way to play it. And again, I'm here selling... Rob as the greatest Australian Survivor player of all time. Ultimately, that comes down to my opinion. Yes, I'm trying to prove evidence towards this, but just because I'm providing this evidence, that doesn't mean that five other people don't think of a certain, like they might think the way that um, Christy won was a hundred times better because of the way she played or the way Jericho won or the way Guy played. You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of, it it is a perception thing, but I think kind of, if you're looking at a player who, a winner who has the most complete way of playing this game on, on all the different levels, Rob ticks all those boxes. I, I think he really ticks all those boxes. Yeah, there's there's never a hundred percent correct answer or way you can sort of say that who's the best player ever. Like, and that comes down because everyone's got a different way they want to play and they like different things about character. I guess the way I look at it is if for people that are the fans and that you know want to play this game one day is what what player overall would they want to have those abilities like they did to, to to play the game and i think with rob you know he overall he had he had you know i, I don't know if he was technically maybe you know a master at any i think he was this good at all like he was good at you know being happy keeping things nice around camp he was good at good in the challenges but he was also good at the strategic part of the game which is very important as well um, you know, he wasn't too ruthless, but he he had emotion, he had passion. You know, he was he just had the right amount of everything, and that's what ultimately got him to the end and won. But you know, so I think for me, you're looking at you're never going to know who you know who was the best player, 
But you look at what would you want going into a game of Survivor? What skills would you want? Who would you want to sort of copy? And and he's definitely one that I think a lot of people would put high on their list. And I also think, too, um, you know, a way that's often been discussed over on the Oz Network when it comes to certain players and how it could come to ranking is, you know, you take a player, you they play 50 times, and you basically work out on average on paper who you think is going to like. And I, I guarantee out of those 50 times, Rob would probably win, you know, half of those or two-thirds of those. You, you can kind of see his game translating well, and it's kind of like a ratio to kind of, you know, percentage way of doing it. Whereas, you know, Shane, for example, might not necessarily be one of those high percentage players because her game style and the way she got there and the way she won is different to how Rob da- did. And, you know, again, Survivor's always filled with luck, always filled with luck. But you would argue certain players got more luck than other players. So, and again, there's different lengths, all that sort of stuff. We all know how it works. But, I mean, that tied in, like, you sort of, we talked about how Rob bit cheesy, too nice. You mentioned it before then, like with David, it kind of, it, it ties in very well the way they edit that. And, you know, we basically get David here, you know, I had a gut full of being nice. You know, uh, I feel like they're all smiling while stabbing me in the back. And I think this kind of ties in a lot to, um, to what Lucinda told us a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, a lot of people were holding things close to their chest. It wasn't really very open. So while the word alliance is a dirty word on Kadena, there was obviously still enough closeness going on. I and mean, we're going to see that with Craig and Naomi. They're obviously very close. And, you know, that will build the more the game goes on. I mean, Craig literally cries when Naomi gets voted out. So kind of things like that. But I think that like, this is very unique here because then we obviously get Craig opening up to David saying, I'm the one who voted for you. And then we get this sort of like great little moment um, between the, you know, the little confessionals essentially where, um, was it David basically says like, oh, you know, I'm going to plan to do something about Craig. Well, he's covered in flies. I forgot to mention that last week. God, the flies in Whaler's Way are flying around everywhere. So I just, I just love all this back and forth, the way it's connected. We've really got two parallels going on Kadena and Tapara even though we've got kind of also got loosely different situations going on. I know I, I'm always talking so highly of David, but, I mean, look at it, this episode. It's, you know, the, all the first lot, it's, it's a, we've already got multiple David confessionals already. And that one, the, the confession where he says he's had a gutful and, and that people are smiling and uh, while stabbing him in the back, I, I think that's up there with, we know Katie has some great confessionals, like some of the all-time great confessionals. Rob has some of the all-time... David, just that confessional alone is up there with one of the best. But it's such a shame he does go home this episode. And um, people might be happy because then they'll stop talking about him. But uh, <laughs> oh, we won't. He really, he's really up there with players who give the best confessionals of all time. Like, he would be in the top 10 of, you know, what, 123 Survivor players we had. He's in the top 10. And this guy only lasted three episodes. That just shows you how big he, a bigger character he was for the show and for Kadena in those early days. But, yeah, I do love how Craig, he comes clean about voting for um, David, and that that pisses David off even more because he does not think it's sincere at all, doesn't trust him. Does He, he is done with these people, Ben. I'm telling you, David is done with them. He is more done with these people than Silverman is done with the first day that he was on Survivor. It's, it's that simple. Before we get to the Raw Challenge, there's a couple of little fun little moments I like. Um, back on Tapara. We talk. You talk about Joel kind of not really being involved much, but I mean Joel gets a few little character moments. Like I love the little moment there when they're talking about um, their beard, and Joel's like, "I'm a man." <laughs> 
think you're just kind of talking about that. Um, also, can we talk about Shona's blister? Holy crap, that thing is disgusting. But wow, how she has not popped that. You've got some willpower, Shona. I'd be popping that over everyone. Um, also, the other two, Deb just chill. Like, eh, I got to vote. I fucking love Deb. Like, I feel yeah. like I don't talk Deb up enough. De- Deb is... I think we said this the other week, like the female Joel, just like love and life, like everything is great. And Deb, like you talk about characters, like Deb's underrated because she yeah. has some fun confessionals. And the other one too that um, we've got to mention, dear old Sylvan, if I get kicked out early, that's the way it is. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, Sylvan, Sylvan, Sylvan. Hey, and don't forget, we've also seen, well, we don't actually see him. You hear him. You hear Jeff snoring again at the start. Yeah, true. And I, th- that's, I think that's not even the one where they they pay attention to it. Like, later on, we kind of get a little bit around it. But this one, is just you hear him in the background. Yeah, 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 this is in the background at night. This is like, yeah, this isn't the main one he gets done later on. This is, oh. this is Jeff's episode of just snoring again and then again. Speaking of Jeff, actually, we get a great little Jeff line before we go into the reward challenge where he's like, oh, you know, we always want to win. You know, those other nerds, they have nothing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he really dislikes Kadena, doesn't he? Jeff is, oh. Jeff, Jeff is gold because we're going oh, to get a lot around Jeff's kind of boisterousness, aren't we? But this is where it would have been brilliant. Imagine if they, they did do like what they did in Africa where, you know, three, three from each tribe switch over. Imagine if Jeff... Would have then ended up, especially at the end of this episode, especially at the end of this episode, <laughs> if they ended up switching and he was stuck with like Sophie and Jane and, oh, I mean, talk about brilliant TV. That oh, that would have been great to watch. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely agree with you. Um, one thing I do before we get into the reward challenge, actually, which is a unique little bit of editing, is kind of just before the commercial break, how they kind of, you see them walking in, that gets a bit slow-mo, then they kind of do a couple of quick shots between scenes. You get this overhead shot of Lincoln standing between the two, and then you go into the ad, kind of like as a bit of a teaser. And again, it's, it falls into that unique things that they do with the editing that today we think are weird and like what are they doing but at that time again in reality tv they're still experimenting a little bit and i kind of like it like it's kind of that bit of tease going into it because nowadays with australian survivor it's all about the dramatic tension let's go to a commercial break just as you know benji's standing up with an idol you know jay jonathan i want to play this like over dramatic music and boom there we go we're into a commercial break but this is i don't know like i don't know how you feel about this it's a bit it's a bit odd but i kind of like it no i think it is it's 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 different than what it is now but um yeah i, I quite like it it's definitely um i think it's good and it leaves you hanging for what's going to happen next Two really good challenges in this episode. And again, it it falls into the uniqueness of these challenges, I think. And really just, I like talking them up because we're going to have some very bad challenges in this season. Again, let me reiterate, the worst challenge I have ever seen in any version of Survivor exists in this season. And it's not the car one next week. Um, (laughs) But so this challenge essentially involves... A circle with tangled ropes. The tribe have to untangle the ropes without stepping into the circle. Then with all the ropes, they have to tie it together, tie it to their boat, drag a boat into the water, uh, swim it out into the water, get in the boat, steer it around a buoy or as a buoy, as we would say for our American listeners. Basically, then drag the boat back into their circle, get in the boat, boom, done. 
Great, great challenge. Love these types of challenges. They're unique, involves strength, and involves, you know, just everything about it. Kadena win. Uh, they love their reward challenges. I'm just going to cut in there, Ben. So one thing I did want to talk about with that reward challenge, uh, with Taparo, we have Rob and Sophie sitting out, which I'm kind of surprised Rob sat out because they had enough people that he could have been involved in every challenge. So I don't know why he sat out. But uh, what did what did strike me as a bit weird is you don't actually get told who's sitting out like they yeah, don't show they don't show lincoln saying you know um all right the two sitting out is rob and sophie you're out sit over there or stand over there um you actually have to wait and watch it yourself and try to work out um and, and that ends up happening again in the immunity challenge so i was i did find that a bit weird like I'm, i don't know why they did that why they didn't actually feel the need that they might actually want to tell the audience who's sitting out but i think this again, falls into, um, you know, maybe the inexperience of Lincoln as a host and also the inexperience of the crew and kind of what they were doing because it is definitely, you know, you see, even the way they sort of come in and Lincoln's just like, hey, guys, welcome to the reward. I'm, I was going to do an impersonation, but you know I was going to turn into Dicko. Um, you know, <laughs> you know welcome, to the, welcome to the reward challenge. Welcome to the reward challenge. Play hard, play hard. Um, and then he just basically goes, um, you know, uh, Kadena, you lost another member, which means that Tapara, you will sit two people out. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Like, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a weird order. And that's not, that's not disrespecting Lincoln in any way. It's, it's clearly, you know, he, he wasn't a host kind of, he's, he's adapting his style and everything into that as well. So again, it just, it falls into what makes this season unique and kind of in, in this period as well that we're watching it. Because again, as we constantly say when it comes to Lincoln and the comparisons to the US version, watch Jeff in those early seasons. You know, Jeff obviously had a lot more experience as a host from television because he was a host. But like, there are still lots of things that Jeff does in those early seasons compared to what he does today that are a bit jarring and a bit weird. You said you said this is definitely a unique sort of um, season. And you know I'm a big fan of of all the music that the the theme music from Jack Robin and all all the, the the score that he does throughout this um season but I have to admit you know that the music during this reward challenge it it, it came across quite strange and definitely doesn't hold up in 2019 it was um I actually rewound it and listened to it again and I I don't know how they came to that music for that for that uh, challenge, it was just, it didn't sort of fit in, I, and I don't even think it would have fit in in two thousand and two. But it certainly doesn't hold up, you know, seventeen years later. Unlike a lot of the music that does, and and like you said, you know, I'm a big fan of the theme music and and, and a lot of the music throughout the season. But I, I, you know, I have to admit, not not during this challenge. One thing actually through the challenge, just on Lincoln, um, he does a bit of mild commentary. Uh, you know, it's, it's not to the extent of. Jeff and you've got to pick it up but you know he's he's definitely commentating a lot more than Jeff did back in those days so it, it's very subtle but I, I appreciate that and I actually appreciate Kadena somehow pulled this out of the bag like Tapara actually leading this quite well and then I think it was the rowing I think it was Craig versus Joel in the boat and Craig really just dominated there you, you just quickly before I forget you're talking about Rob and uh, Sophie sitting out there's like the briefest shot of Rob doing this, like, rowing motion. Like, I think I'm going to, like, somehow create a gif of it or something like that because it's just hilarious <laughs> just seeing Rob. And this, again, plays into Rob as a character. We talk about Rob as a great player. Rob's great. Rob's great television. He's actually a really good character. 
Are you surprised he sat out though? Like I don't know if he was injured or was this that that period where they're like, oh no, like, let's all take turns and make it fair. But like, why would you sit Rob out of any challenge when you don't need to? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I mean, I think they still did very well without him though. I mean, they still they got they were leading, then they got very close. Maybe his strength isn't water. Maybe he's not a, a water based person. Ben, they lost. How did they do well? They lost. They got close. You, you, you don't sit out your MVP and lose. I'm sorry. You might sit them out in the trial games. You don't send them. You don't sit them out in the premiership games. You don't. Matt, I'm a Carlton supporter. All right. To us, coming close is winning. Okay. I'm looking at this through the eye. Maybe I'm looking. I'm wearing a Kadena buff. Maybe I'm looking at the eyes of Kadena. We got close. We nearly did. <laughs> well, I don't follow AFL, so I'm assuming Colton are like the the, the Gold Coast Titans. Um, well, not that bad. No, we're not that bad. Um, we are the Newcastle Knights, maybe oh, okay. of the NRL. You know, kind of. It's been a while since we've been good. We used to be good, uh, but we make a lot of mistakes, and now we're where we are. But we should hopefully get better soon. There you go. Um, I do like the reward itself. Like we talked a couple of weeks ago. Uh, about Solo. And what a what a fucking great drink Solo is. Seriously, my God. If you're thirsty, drink a Solo, okay? Drink one. But we talked about how that reward was a bit weird for the second reward challenge. I feel this reward should have been in the second episode and this could have been Solo because yeah, what's their reward? They get a, a pot, a frying pan, two lanterns and a hammock. Ooh. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> The hammock ends. I'm glad they ended up. They did give the hammock away because that gives some absolute uh, comic relief for us later on. But uh, yeah, no, you're 100 right. That that this should have been in the second episode, and then of course, the great Sweps solo, as we now know, Sweps. Sweps, yes. Um, what a great company Sweps is. Sweps of essence, fantastic. Not that shit Pepsi. I was going to say, geez, you turned on Pepsi, Pepsi oh. the other week. As soon as you Matt, found Matt, out Solo I've wasn't always Pepsi turned on Coke. Pepsi. I had to be you... nice because I thought they were a Pepsi. And as soon as I found out they weren't, I'm like, oh, my God. It's like when you, you like, you've like you eaten a big meal and you've got to you tighten your belt and you get home, you undo your belt. And you're like, oh, fuck, great. Let the stomach out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just finishing up with that about that challenge too and – uh, just another thing I noticed with Lincoln, because in the end they kind of did win easy. Kadena, by the time they dragged up the boat on on around to the the area that they had to to drag it to, and uh, the way he sort of the way Lincoln sort of announced that they won, it was very sort of it's very chilled. It was isn't just he? it was just yeah, it was Kadena very win. chilled. Like you, you certainly wouldn't <laughs> see that now. It'd be no. like oh, you know, Kadena win immunity. Like it was almost as like mm, Kadena win. You know, it's I, like I, well. This- this, yeah. it, it it stays that way though. Like it, it's kind of it does. It's a very like, and this is the thing. Like this is where Lincoln. Lincoln's just so chill. Lincoln's just like he's just chill. He's nice. Like okay. Having said that, remember I said this because at the end of this episode, I'm going to say Lincoln Dick moment. Very big Lincoln Dick moment. This episode, Lincoln is like the old snap host later on with his digs at Kadena. But at this moment in time. Lincoln's just the chill dude who's, yeah, he's just literally like, Kadena win. <laughs> and I think that comes back from, you know, when, when we had him on for the interview, um, he, he did mention the fact that he, it was made clear to him that he was, he was not the star of the show and that the contestants were the star of the show. So I think it was in, yeah, I, I, I don't think that, you know, Stephen Peters probably wanted him to be too over-enthusiastic about stuff. Um, and Which I don't I, think that's Lincoln's sort of personality no. either. So I think that's why he got hired because he was 
you know, the journalist background and stuff. But I, I, did, I guess I did this thing. I think it was probably a little bit too chilled. But, I mean, if he's getting told that's how to be, well, that's not his fault, is well, it? Well, I also think, too, um, again, the comparisons of the US version, Jeff was never how he was back in the day. Like, I mean, he was literally offering contestants to stay in freaking tribal council with rain jackets to stay warm, you know? Like, I mean, just things like that. Like, they're finding their feet. And if there had been a two or three or four, Lincoln easily would have... I mean, look at JLP. JLP's a classic case of this. I, I definitely think JLP has his flaws, but JLP also improves. JLP also doesn't improve. Like, there are moments I think JLP's kind of gotten worse. But it's not to take away from his style. I think that each host of Australian Survivor has their pros and their cons. And I think, you know, JLP and Lincoln are very similar in that they're clearly super nice guys. They're very chilled. They don't come from a hosting background, but they're adapting as they go along. Dicko is the exception here. And I think Dicko has... That's going to be a fun ride, season two. You talk about not being the star. Dicko was the star of season two. Let's be honest. He was the biggest celebrity on the celebrity version of Survivor. But, yeah, I think... You know, I think I do agree. I think maybe it is a little bit too chilled, and that kind of gets tied into this whole season of kind of the vibe of it. But like, even what we're trying to say in this episode with how you know, oh, it's boring, it's too nice, there's no alliances, there's no strategy. There definitely are if you're paying attention. And it's like later on in this episode when we get to tribal council, Lincoln Dick moments. Like seriously, the whole tribal council is just Lincoln being a dick. <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to tribal, but uh, it's funny talking about chilled. And now I'm going to let you talk about this next segment. But talking about chilled, so they win the hammock, and the next thing you see is back at Kadena. Now I got a message uh, during the week from a, a Instagram account, the the very big Survivor memes account, and that person message me in to say that they're loving listening to our podcast and they they've been following along with us watching these episodes which i hope you know a lot of our listeners are doing going back and re-watching season one and they they said they can't wait for us to talk about this moment the moment when sylvan and craig bring back the hammock and try setting it up ben over to you run me through it what happened Yes, this is this is gold, and I love this this person who's sending us messages because they think I was on TV. So you know, TV's been more to work. I'm making Matt choke at his solo there. I just, I just took a sip of water and I just spat it out, <laughs> laughing. Oh, I'm just watching Matt here, and I mentioned that. He's like, <laughs> careful, you'll end up in Sylvan's fantasy world early. I need you to co-host this with me for a little bit longer. Thank you very much. Um. Before I just quickly get to that, we get random swimming in the water celebration. We get um, there's two really obvious. Let's look at the hot chick shots in this entire episode. One involves Karen, a uh, Karen kind of like brushing her hair back and bikini shot. Anyway, uh, then we kind of get a brief little Tapara, Katie. You know, look at the scoreboard. We don't care. Like gold from Katie. Katie gold again. We get them setting up the hammock over on uh, Kadena. Craig is great here. Craig's basically like, you know, oh, as long as it doesn't touch the ground, who gives a shit? Like, you know, let's put it up. <laughs> then we get, like, the most Sylvan confessional ever. And this is, there's still more to come in this episode. We just get Sylvan like, yeah, yeah, we knew we could win. Yep, you know, just thought we could. Yeah, no, I get along with Craig. He's a guy. We're both guys, which is cool. And I get along with the girls because they're girls. 
And it's like the whole thing is made brilliant, even more so than this music in the background. This. I call it the Sylvan dirt music. It's just kind of like this, you know, like, like, look at this guy. It's just, it's just if off in Sylvan's fantasy world here, like, Craig's a guy, which is good. <laughs> the girls, which are good. <laughs> it was the best explanation I've ever heard in a confessional as to why they get along with someone. Oh, he's a guy. They're girls. I like girls. Yeah, it's yeah, good. good. Brilliant! Like it's just Sylvan is he, and like this is the thing with Sylvan. Like the whole this time, like he doesn't want to be there. This is such a bipolar Sylvan episode because in like two minutes' time or whenever it's going to be, it's going to be all like you know, oh, he's off high and whoop whoop land in Sylvan's fantasy world, wanting cereal for lunch and five hundred pizzas flying around his head. He he probably wasn't good for Kadena as far as he was way too chill to be a Survivor player, but. Talk about a unique character. I mean, if we're if we're doing a list of the 123 unique characters, I mean, he is up there. Like this guy, sh- should he have been picked on Survivor? I don't know, but very interesting character. And the more you watch it and actually listen to what he says and his confessionals, you're like, you just think it. You think surely you can't say anything more like that. And and another one comes and another one. I mean. This I have never seen another character like this since. Yeah, not on Australian Survivor. He's yeah, he's just so unique, and you know I think kind of in the Surviving Survivor special. I mean, he all but admits like, oh, I won the car and I was checked out. Like I didn't give a shit after then. He's like, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to win. You know, I, I won basically the second biggest prize on this show, so I just I didn't give a shit. And like even Lincoln said, I think I think it was Lincoln basically said that you know, oh, he, he checked out. He didn't want to be there. Like he didn't want to be there. Like it's kind of it's just it's. He's he's very unique, and like we we make fun of him. He's great. Um, obviously, we had Sylvan on the Oz Network a couple of years ago with Deb, and Sylvan was fun. Like Sylvan, he's just a he's an author. Like, and that sums him up. Like, because we're going to get in an episode or two when they're basically talking about him about how oh he's an author. He works two days a week, and the rest of it he just goes out drinking with his mates and he's hungover all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just you can see Sylvan, and he writes kids books too. Like, it's not like he's writing crime thrillers and Stephen King horror books. He's a freaking kids author. So, do you reckon when he's not working his two days as an author, do you reckon he he's out putting up hammocks <laughs> with his guys? Which is good because they're guys, and oh, there's some girls, and I like girls. Girls are good. <laughs> we need I to get a Sylvan book. We need to like get a copy of a book of Sylvans and just read it on air. <laughs> but I love, I love when they finally get the hammock up, and then is it Craig hops in it and just it just goes straight to the ground. Like they haven't put it up properly. He hits the ground, and then Sylvan's like, "That's really great." Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's like Craig's on the dirt. Like it's just a hammock's meant to mean you're up in the air, and just and 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 Sylvan looks at it. And he's like, oh, that's really great, hey? Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. There's, there's actually like Kadena is is fantastic. I don't think there's any bad from Kadena this episode. Even Naomi has a shining moment in this episode. But like I think like Craig is gonna drop some pearls this episode when it comes to the toilet later on. Uh, you know, Karen's got a moment in this like there's there's a bunch of great stuff here, but like Sylvan and Craig, what a what a duo. We need more of Sylvan and Craig. 
And I think this is a classic season because of, you know, it was 17 years ago. We can easily – and I'll, look, I'm probably guilty of it too. Like I, I always talk highly this season. You know, there's not too many people who could ever say that I've ever talked negative about this season. But I guess the one part I was a little bit negative on, if any, was the casting. But the more I watch these episodes, I can see why each and every one of the, the 16 castaways got picked. And I don't know if you agree with me, Ben, but – now going back and rewatching it a few times, I can see why they were the sixteen that got picked out of the eight thousand five hundred because they are they are good characters. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think that for sure, you know, there's maybe a couple that it could have been better. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to some of those people, but it's also you know the elements and things that are along those lines, like. For the most part, I would agree. Like, I, I, I would say that this isn't maybe like Borneo and Australian Outback and Africa probably as well, where I would almost argue they were perfect casts. And I would I would go out on a limb and say any one of those people should come back and play again for any reason because they are OGs and fantastic. And, like, I, I would say that maybe for 85% of this cast. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not saying it's perfect. I just think... I still think that 8,500 was such a small amount. Like those, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know, but the Outback, the Australian Outback season two America, I'm sure they were up at like 25, 30. Oh, no, that was like 80,000 people that oh, applied were, for that. Uh, maybe even more. Like I, yeah, I, I, I think there would 80, be a number 000, somewhere, but yeah. 80,000 plus. So for them, you know, of course they're going to get a really good mix of players. For 8,500 people for, for our season one, I think, look, like you're right, 85% is probably a good amount. There's some players that could have maybe not been changed over. Um, but I think for the numbers they had, I, I think it, at least each character's different in each way. I think, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but I would almost go out on a limb and say, percentage-wise, it's probably the most complete season of Australian Survivor because with the Channel 10 version, we clearly have 24 instead of 16 and I would struggle to say that any of the four channel 10 seasons have had an 85% strike rate of uh of a good cast um celebrity survivor yeah there were I mean the worst players on that season um I mean there's there's some issues there but I think on the grand scheme of things you know in the six seasons we've had this would be the most the closest you have to a perfect cast and that's that's not a popular opinion it's it's also not a popular opinion when i rank this as the best australian survivor season not an opinion that i've always had i again as i said before i've been very negative on this season in the past but you know we're we're appreciating in a different light but i think i i definitely think you you make a, a very good point when it comes to actually really just sitting down here and and analyzing and looking at the the you know, the, the unique qualities that each of these cast members bring to this and the memorable aspects of each of these players. Because you would you would argue that every single one of these players at least comes out of this game with a memorable attribute. And I, I don't know if you could say that for other Australian Survivor seasons. There would definitely be players from all the other five seasons where you would struggle to think of a positive from them. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. It's, um, I mean, I suppose some of these newer seasons too, there's, I mean, 24 people in them. It goes for 25 episodes. Yeah, there's going to be people lost in those seasons that you you forget about, you know. Um, I mean, even myself, you know, there's there's some players that um, you kind of do, you know, sort of forget about um, and you sort of need reminding of. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it is definitely um, 
an interesting an interesting cast and um, yeah definitely one I think's you know, underrated and and I I put my hand up and and say that I was I'm guilty of that that I underrated this uh, this cast until now sitting back and actually watching each and every single person clearly and 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 like I said like now you look at me I'm massive David Haas fan you know I I, I can't say that you know before rewatching it I, I, I sort of forgot about David but um, but now I just think he's one of the all time great characters. So. Great little character moments here before we kind of get to some more of your man and sort of some strategy talk. Um, over on Tapara, we actually get maybe our first really good Lance moment because I, I love this, like, confessional where Lance is talking about missing food and everything. And then just Lance loves his fruit. Like, I, I, it's, it's so random. It's like, yeah, we've got our fish, we've got our rice. And bloody oath, man, I, I miss my fruit. I'm like, just I love Lance missing fruit. There you go. That's um, That's something that when Lance comes on this show, we're just going to... We're gonna we're gonna give him a big old trip. Land, what's your favorite? Talk to me about strawberries, mate. Oranges, you know, watermelon. What what's your what are you getting you excited? You get your fruit up in you. I'll be sitting here eating a uh, fruit platter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, Matt, you'll be having lemon because lemon is a flavor of Solo, and Solo is a <laughs> bloody great drink. He, he also talks about it um, getting a lot tougher, and about it's even hard to be tolerant as well. So even someone like Lance, who's clearly a nice guy. You know, we see that throughout the whole time on the show that um, his time on the show, we, we see that, you know, he is a, a really nice guy. But um, even for even for him, you know, it's it's definitely getting harder for him to be tolerant of these people that he's around. He's maybe the nicest guy who's ever played Australian Survivor. I'm just saying it out there. Like, this guy is, like, Lance is just Mr. Nice. Um, you yeah. Know, they, the, the Mr. You, Men you books. He's Mr. Yeah, nice. Yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's nothing negative you could say about, about him as a person, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was probably he was probably too nice to play the game, to be honest. I love um, the, the reveal here also from Lance when he's talking about Jeff apparently sleeps with an oxygen mask to curtail his snoring. <laughs> Um, I also some really good little moments like Shona's talking about about getting early, wanting to you know go hunting, change the regime, and like we've talked so much about Katie being fantastic as a player and losing moments. Can I just say how much I love Katie is afraid of animals? Like Katie is here, she's thrilled to catch a fish. She's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh shit, and then she's like, her confession is like, I'm scared of animals. Like it doesn't matter what they are, I just act like a little girl. Um, and it's just like. And then it transitions into this great little moment where she's basically talking about her and Shona having this bond. She's, like, talking to Shona about, like, let's bring in a couple with us. Let's get Joel and Robin. And, again, we're talking up Rob as his great... This is goes into why Katie's so fantastic. Katie's got Shona on side. She's saying, let's get Rob and Joel. We're going to get later on, she's talking with Rob, like, oh, yeah, I've got Shona and let's get in Sophie. Like, she, she's working it. She is working it strong. And we know that she's got this list that she's written down, and we're going to see that in about two episodes time, where we actually see her working with the list. And it's just, it's fantastic from character to strategy, all in a neat little bow. Rob's the absolute king of Australian Survivor, the greatest of all time. Katie is the greatest female of all time in Australian Survivor. I'm calling it. I've called it before. It's not like I'm not going to call it a hundred times again. But, like, you look at this. Transition from amazing little comedy moment to fantastic strategy moment. And she's going to ultimately go down this season as the ultimate villain of this season. Again, ticks all the boxes. This is such an important segment of the show it's it's the first look of them on day eight so this is eight days into the game and this is where we learn this is where we learn about the the all-important katie and shona relationship 
we hear Katie mention that they have this special chemistry together. And and up until now, we haven't seen that. So we're, we're learning that even Katie, like it, it surprised me when, when she, she says about she hates catching like the touching the fish and all that. And, and then you see Shona, Jesus comes over and Shona's just doing her Shona thing, you know, like nothing phases this, this woman. I, I love Shona. I think such a big, great character. And to see this chemistry now and this new relationship form between her and Katie, I I wouldn't have picked that those two would have ever been suited together. But whatever it is, something obviously clicks with them and it, it's 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 great to watch. It is also what's so important about about day eight here is it is the first time we, we do mention that we do know anything about this final four or the or this this four alliance and they talk about joel in it as well they talk about yeah rob katie shona so we're finally starting to see what's going on in the tapara tribe and we're also by doing that we also clearly see that you know jane and lance are unfortunately sort of on the outs well i also think it's really important to hear that that you mentioned joel's in here but I think Rob's going to kind of alleviate Katie away from Joel in that conversation later, and that's going to be Sophie that's more important instead. And that's going back to my point where Joel kind of ultimately isn't that important until later on when he falls on his own sword. And and I also think, like, this is the factions in this four which become a very important aspect of why this season turns towards the very end because right now it's Shona and Katie. Right now it's Katie and Rob. They've got this three, which to me is the core three. But then you've got these factions, which, of course, we had at the beginning of last episode where Rob and Shona are clearly a two. And then this is going to be the beginning of Katie and Sophie. So that's where we've kind of got, you've got a three, and then you're going to split it off. They're working together as a four. And then ultimately, Joel becomes that deciding person in the middle, and he's ultimately able to side with Shona and Rob, which is what decides this game. And it's important to note, too, that when they're mentioning Joel at this stage, so day eight, Joel has no idea Joel about Joel has no clue. The, he has no clue. The, so they're, when they're talking about Joel being in an alliance, that's just them putting him in it. Like, he has no idea at this stage there's even alliances or that he's in one or possibly in one. No idea. And, this, and the, again, absolutely right. And I think also the beauty of this grouping is that you know, Sophie and Shona to me are kind of similar in the fact that they're just happy to go along with the more dominant player because they're like, oh, look, if I get to the end, I might get votes. And I'm not trying to take away from either of them as a player. I think that Rob and Katie, as much as they're going to work together, I don't think that, like, clearly Rob, it was never his plan to work with Katie to the end. We know Rob is 100% with Shona. Katie, on the other hand, I think it's that emotional attachment to Rob, and we're going to get little groundworks of that throughout this episode because, you know, that is where things really, you know, blur the line and get problematic for Katie, and particularly with her massive breakdown towards the end. And I think Katie gives us some really good things in this episode where she's basically talking about, like, it's going to get to the end, it's going to get, you know, we're going to have to backstab, we're going to have to do this. Katie's very self-aware, but I don't think Katie planned to be that emotionally invested in Rob. And there's a very key line from Rob in this episode, which is basically, to me, the entire summary of what will happen between him and Katie, but we'll get to that. I just wanted to quickly point out some great stuff here. We're talking about these very unique confessionals. Love the Katie confessional sitting in a cave. That is fantastic, just like sitting there as well. I also absolutely love the moment with her and Rob 
So I love how she's kind of like hugging Rob. I really would have, I'd love to find out from Rob's wife what he thought was some of this sort of, you know, Katie closeness in this season. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a bit later on in this episode, there's another incident that happens again. Yeah. So it, it's, it's those little sly shots that we're seeing and it's, it's, it's letting the audience know that like these two are pretty close. Like even day eight, like to be cuddling and hugging like that. Like I'm not suggesting anything untoward was going on, but you to be com- to be that comfortable with with someone to be having you know fully wrapped around, and especially of someone of the opposite sex, um, it does show. And I think this is why in the end Katie was so upset. You know when when she was left out of that that final three was because she really thought that that her and Rob were like as thick as thieves, like that they were just tight as, which as we learn is not the case for Rob down the track. But um, yeah, it's a great shot um, and I'm glad they included that in this episode. But I think it's also very important with this relationship because it is the core relationship of this entire season. It's Rob and Katie. And I think that we get a line from Katie later on where she's kind of talking about boosting team morale and she will do that any way possible. She's like, if I want to play niceties, I'm going to do this. And that to me is what she's doing with Rob. And I think kind of... You know, I, I've never thought that Katie felt more for Rob than a friend. I just think that Katie is one of those people who is very like, you know, she's very affectionate. She's very huggy. She's kind of very like, you know, I'm going to do this. And she's also using that to her strengths to get connected to Rob. Rob's a very smart man. I think Rob, to me, just kind of plays along with it you know, thinking that, oh, he's probably, you know, my wife won't care. Like, I can just say I'm just playing the game. I'm just going to let it, you know, like... Because, I, again, I don't think anything's ever implied that those two are anything more than friends. But it's just it's just done in that way with, like, that friendship where kind of, you know, there's a bit of human contact. There's a bit of, you know, let's hug a bit. Let's ruffle our, fa- our hair in the water. Like, it's just kind of... This is where I think they're both playing each other very well. And this is, again, that intelligence level of both of these two as players because that's ultimately the big fissure that's going to explode in the finale... And, like, as you mentioned, Katie, I think, ultimately got too connected based on that friendship, whereas Rob was ultimately able to separate it more than Katie was. I think at this point Katie can separate it because, again, we're going to get a great confessional from her later on. But as time builds up, it's going to just go tick, 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 and then boom. And in the end, it's Rob is the one that, you know, he, he separates first. Yeah. He, exactly. he beats her to the punch. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it 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 all came down to Joel as well. I think, kind of, yeah. Because I mean, if Joel sided with Katie and Sophie, then you know, yeah, it would have been completely That's different. Right. The the one little Rob moment again, just to fit into this character level, I just I fucking love that moment when he's like, "I got my first crab, got nicked, and then it became personal." <laughs> <laughs> love Rob. Yeah. Oh, so good. But then we get your man, uh, David. A lovely little mixture here of, um, you know, him talking up strategy. There's a great little character moment here too, which I really hope you picked up on on the toilet building. I, I mean, you're nodding, so I, I want you to maybe tell talk a little bit up of this and his, his bug moment. Well, well I, I do like this segment because you first off you see you see David, he's building the toilet. He's trying to he's looking at it. He's trying to adjust. He's trying to make it the best he can. Then you sort of get the shot of. Um, you get the confessional from him, and he's t- he, he's aware. Like he knows that Craig, Sylvan, and Naomi are tight. Like he actually says it. Like these three are tight, and he knows that his survival in the game comes down to Karen and Deb. This is what I like about David. Like he's aware of what's going on, and um, so we see the little confessional about that. And he's he's um yeah he's, he's talking about Karen and Deb, and then 
you go back to the toilet and then that hole where Craig's like, oh, you know, like, that's good, but um, what about the women? Yeah. And then, and then, and then, so then you see, you see, Sorry. You see Sorry, David. I know where you're down. going with this. You see David there. He's, he's yeah, because Craig says, "Have you considered the ladies when building this toilet?" And then and then David sits down and he's like, "Oh yeah." And then Craig's like, "This is a great line, great line." He's like, "Ah, they'll work it out." <laughs> and this is what I was well, saying before about Katina. Like Craig's like actually brilliant in this episode. This is this is Craig. Craig's on fire now. Craig is like he switched himself on. Craig was silvering it out for the first two episodes, but now Craig's on board because I love that line from him. He's like, "Ah, oh, ladies, work it out." And he just has this snigger on his face. <laughs> As he's sort of walking over, ah, they'll work it out. Yeah. But, like, I mean, this is the thing, like, a really good mixture of strategy and comedy here. It's kind of very similar to what we just had with Tapara because, like, as you were saying, David's got these confessionals talking up Craig, Sylvan, and Naomi very tight. And then he's basically saying, like, Karen and Deb are a little bit more approachable. They feel a little bit more vulnerable. So I'm going to, you know, use that to my advantage and kind of take that, again, ahead of his time. And, and... I, I know I constantly keep comparing this to a uh, to U.S. Survivor, which again at this point in time you can understand why I'm doing that. The U.S. Survivor had obviously developed a little bit more at this point. We just had Africa. There's a lot more strategy in Africa than there was sort of in the first two seasons. But I think again, if you were to compare this to Borneo and look at this, like I, I would almost go on a limb and say we maybe didn't have. I mean. Joel and, and Jervis were strategic, but I don't think we saw it as much as what we're seeing here with David, you know, uh, at this early point in the game. I don't think Jervis and Joel really built up a little a lot more in Borneo and Pagong, but yeah, this is this is great from David. I, I'm really appreciating what he's trying to do here. I said this in, I think it was our first recap or first episode, that David was ahead of his time, and and I stand by it now, and I still say that if if... if David was playing 2019 Survivor the way he was playing this now. He would go very far in the game. Um, he was he he was unlucky with the players that he got put on. I think he would have done a lot better on Tapara, as we've already said. And um, it, it, it's it's still great to watch a character like this in a team that's just crumbling, that someone's just not prepared to give up. Like that would have shit me just watching another player just like oh well like. Oh well, I'm I'm going home. That's see you guys. Like thanks. Like this guy, he's going all out. He's trying to save himself. So full respect to the the king of Kadena. And uh, I just want to lump in. I know this is kind of a little bit in advance. This is just prior to the immunity challenge. But I think there's this sequence here that I want to keep completely separate because it's brilliant. Um, but David, just before they go into the immunity challenge, basically says he's not confident they're going to win. He basically says it doesn't bother him because he, then he can then inflate that situation with Deb and Karen to then essentially use that to his advantage. So even in tying into what you're saying there, this is a guy who almost wants to lose because he wants to be able to use his magic to get Karen and Deb on side, which is fantastic. Like, I, I, again... Maybe not completely fantastic. I shouldn't say that. On paper, it can also be a huge risk to your game. But it's not like he threw the challenge or anything. But, I mean, it's kind of... He's, he's at least... Like, we, we see this in, in modern Survivor now. Like, people relish going to tribal counts because this is where I can play the game. And, you know, I don't necessarily buy into that. Going to tribal council is not the only way to play the game of Survivor. It's just you want the flashy blind side to get the good edit on TV so the social media people like you. That's all it comes down to. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate David's ability here to to be aware and to think, like, look, even if we lose, I've got two women here that I can work on 
And again, as you keep saying, you're 100% right. He's ahead of his time. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, yeah, and like I say, he, he knows it. It, it knows it. He knows that it all relies on Karen and Deb. So, you know, it, he's given up on on the rest of his tribe. Like he, he he's he's for the rest of this episode, we see him clearly work on Karen and Deb. So it's it's good that he and and, and even Craig he later says that he knows that um, that um, David's not going to bother talking to him. You know, he might just have a conversation, but he knows that at that stage, it's all about Karen and Deb, his future in the game. Before we get to the gold here, nice little moment, I think, with Shona talking about her dad. I mean, it kind of it develops from Sophie essentially saying Shona's annoying and, you know, it's always her way or nothing her way at all. But then we kind of, they balance that out with a bit of, you know, Shona's annoying with, you know, just this sweet little moment about Shona. The thing that I really appreciate about Shona, and I'm with you, like, Shona's a great character and somebody who, like, I've really, over the years, really liked a lot more of Shona. But I think for someone of Shona's age the fact that she obviously has a very close bond with her parents because i think her dad only died like a year or two before this might have only been within a year i think it might say in the um the the official book but we're going to get that in a couple of weeks when they get the phone call to their parents uh to their family sorry that she's obviously talking to a mum. and like i I love that like i love the fact that a woman of shona's age and she's not old i'm just saying of a a certain age you know you, you maybe don't expect to have that relationship with your with your parents but i just love it i love seeing shona Shona, you know, clearly having a parent is such an important part of her life. You know, I'm very, very close with my parents. So I think kind of, and that, that to me would never grow out of me. So I, I really appreciate this. And it's just, a, it's just a touching little scene. We had this last episode with Rob talking about his, um, you know, his, his birthday and his kids and his wife. So I, I do like this. I, I, I like it when we kind of just have a nice little touching human moment, particularly with someone like Shona, who clearly is, you know, a very independent, strong woman, and she can have sort of a, a nice little moment like this. I'm a big fan of this this part of the episode. I think it 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 gives us a really good understanding about Shona. Um, I like the fact that we get a few confessionals um, from, and especially from Sophie. Yeah, you know, she mentions the fact that that um, Shona's stepping on toes, and that basically she's she's taking control, and and people are noticing. Um, we've sort of seen the the bits we've seen as Shona so far. You know, you see that hardened side of Shona, and I think that just comes with her being. You know, she was a, a former test pilot. She'd run companies. She like this lady had done it all, um, and, and in high-powered positions where she's had to make big, you know, decisions, and she's not scared to make them. So it's a very, she's very hardened, very hardened personality. But so not only do we see that during this, because we're we're, we're getting that, you know clarified with, with people with with these confessionals of people saying yeah she is stepping on toes but then we see the sensitive side of her you know she even at 49 you know everyone's got a sensitive side so i like the fact that they did show that so we we, we get a, a true understanding of who this this character is and um you know it, it's an emotional scene you know, anytime that someone's talking about uh, a late parent um, is always uh, a sensitive issue and, and get, can get emotional. But I think it was good that they showed it because it it made me realise that there's more to Shona than just that hardened side of her. And I, I think that's exactly it too. They need to show these kind of little bits and pieces here to, to really show that, um, with, with particularly a character like Shona, as you said. So, yeah, no, I, I agree completely with everything. One thing I'll just add to that is... And, and I would love to get your opinion on this. And Lucinda, actually, when we did the Lucinda interview, she actually touched on it. 
I think if Shona was swapped over with Lucinda at the start of the game, before before the game had started, I don't know if Shona does anywhere near as well with you know the, the young twenty the five young twenty year olds in Kadena, especially if they continued that losing streak, where obviously she's well suited to the the people in Tapara, but I really don't think she would she would have done great in this game with those those bunch of twenty year olds, especially the types of like Sylvan and Craig early on, where they don't want people stepping on anyone's toes. They they wouldn't tolerate that. As we see, they don't tolerate it with David. Is that the feeling you get, Ben? Absolutely. I yeah, completely agree. I think you know, who annoys Shona? It's Jane. Um whereas I think on on Kadena, she's going to have a lot more. Like she would be annoyed with Sylvan. All jokes aside, she would be annoyed with Sylvan. I think that you know she probably would work okay with a David, but at the same time, you know David might be a little bit too full on for her, just with kind of the strategy stuff. I I definitely think there's a lot more clashes going on. Like I mean, we 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 never see Shona and Jeff. So like I don't know how Shona would go with Tim, for example. I think Tim would probably be a lot more on Shona's level, like a lot more relate, laid back, and not kind of like in your face and snoring and all that sort of stuff. But um, I don't know necessarily she'd be the first boot. But you know, I don't I don't see Shona lasting very long on Kadena. No, I'd go as far as to say that Sh- Shona would wring Sylvan's neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of wringing necks. Uh, Matt, I think you've, you've got a good little segue there because three episodes into season one of Australian Survivor and we might potentially have the greatest little moment we ever had in this season because we love Sylvan. Sylvan's been there. He's just chilling. He wants to go last week and then all of a sudden he's, you know, talking about being with guys and girls and all this sort of stuff. But let's let's get into a little place we like to, again, as I said at the beginning of the episode, a magical place filled with pizzas and cereal and, and siestas. It's Sylvan's fantasy world, where there are no rules. You can do whatever you want, Matt. We, we start off by having Sylvan talking about pizza. And not just any pizza. Cold, cold pizza is the best. It just keeps getting better. Like, I just, I just love that line from Sylvan. Like, this is a guy who's been moping around for eight days, hating himself. And now all of a sudden, it's like he's just sniffed some glue or something like that. And all of a sudden, he's missed the perky. And that is beautifully... It's explained by Deb, who Deb just oh. basically like. Can I just say before? Can I just say this? This is one of my favourite Deb confessionals. This is oh. like where Deborah. This is oh, she comes to her element. Sorry, Ben. I just kind of. I just no, have to say like no, I love please. this moment. It's 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 a moment to be shared by all because she's basically like Sylvan is flying, uh, and then it kind of like cuts to Sylvan all of a sudden wanting. Four pizzas. So, oh, you know, oh, I think I could do it. And then I think, like, is it Karen or Deb's going, like, oh, no, nah, mate, you bloody couldn't do that. And he's yeah. like, oh, no, 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 I definitely could do it. Cut back to Deb. Mate, I see right through it. You know, yeah. uh, like, I can see this. Mate, he can't even bloody boil water. <laughs> I love that line, the boil water. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. So and and it's, you know what? It's so true. He, we, bet, you we, bet you he didn't even boil water out there. I bet you any money. But then it even keeps, how does this keep getting better? Because after this, we cut to Sylvan saying, this is fantasy Sylvan world. Everybody is having pastries for breakfast. There's a siesta. And then Karen chimes in with, oh, I really want some cereal and some milk. And then Sylvan with the quote of the season, you can have cereal for lunch. There are no rules in Sylvan's fantasy world. 
I wonder, do you reckon he ended up uh, writing a book afterwards about oh, children's please. fantasy world? I hope there. I really hope he's really... I, I just, I just want to read a Sylvan book because it's probably just going to be like, uh, I don't care if I finish this book, you know, and then turn the page. Oh, yeah, and here's Jim. Jim's a guy. I'm a guy. That's good. There's Jenny. Jenny's a girl. I like girls. Turn the page. I love fantasy. Fantasy world's great. Oh, you can have a siesta and pastries and cereal in Sylvan's fantasy world. Turn the page. I want to go home. (laughs) Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Turn the page. I drive now. Turn the page. I want to go home. Oh, I gotta admit, when I watched this little little bit of Sylvan, I was like, "What the hell did I just watch?" Like, so honestly, good. it would have been it would have been brilliant to be involved. Like, imagine actually being one of the contestants sitting there and just listening to this guy talk about this stuff, and you'd be thinking, like, Deborah's and Deborah clearly is like she's obviously listening, thinking, "Who are you? Can't what are bloody you? boil water?" Brilliant, Dad, oh, Deborah. That was a great confession. This is again, Deb, just so underrated as a character. So fantastic. Um, the immunity challenge again. I, I, I like this challenge. It's it's unique. They basically have two giant crow's nests that are filled with boxes. In one of those boxes, there's a ringer. They have to chop down the crow's nest one at a time. So each player is basically allowed to have one swing, run, swing, run, swing. As it falls down, they find the ringer. They go and ring a giant triangle. Um, now, I'm just going to preempt a little tribal council thing later on where Lincoln will bring up the fact that Tim was a good woodchopper. I appreciate the fact that we get that little um, fact and, again, falls into the Lincoln Dick section of this episode. But I don't know if it really would have helped because it's not like you actually you only put one person up. You get one swing each. And Kadena's problem is they just they didn't let it stay in the wood, whereas Tapara worked out a pretty good method where they kind of had a swing, and even if it got stuck in the wood, they just left it, let the other player get to it, pull it out, swing, because Kadena wasted way too much time pulling the thing out of the, the log, so ultimately we know where this is going, um, Tapara is going to win, I do love a bit of Jeff being a dick, you know, he starts off with, go Tapara, go Tapara, go Tapara, and then he chimes in with, there's no hurry, there's no hurry, to once again, Going to ring the bell again. Going to ring the bell again. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's important to mention. So Jeff's doing all that because he's once again uh, sitting Kadena out. Have yes. to, sorry, Tapara have to sit two people out. So Jeff and Jane sit out. So that that allows Jeff to go full Jeff. And I mean, oh, like, when I brilliant. say full Jeff, I mean like hurling abuse at Kadena during the challenge, which which of course leads to some great confessionals straight after this challenge. But. Uh, this is what I like about Jeff. Like, and I said it in our last, our last recap that he's just. I, I think it's funny. Like, he not everyone would take it the same way I would, but he, he's slightly off. But he's he, he means no harm by it. It's just him as a character, and it's just him who he is as a person. Obviously, and uh, I like it. I like the fact that he's he's sort of giving it to Kadena, who he's basically kicking them while they're down. Which goes into what we were talking about last episode about how there is this real rivalry between these two and one that I would say we've not had in Australian Survivor since. Admittedly, this does die down. I mean, we will have in a few weeks' time kind of basically Tapara feeling sorry for Kadena so they share their reward with them. But it's, you know, I think at this moment, I love it. I love when you have like an actual rivalry between uh, 
tribes or players. You know, think Guatemala and Bobby John and Jamie kind of in each other's faces and, and Clay and um, uh, Rob in Thailand. You know, I love it. I love seeing these moments in Survivor. And this is, this. I like, I love this. I love Jeff. Because, like, again, I, I always forget that there's more to it. Because I remember thinking, like, well, why do they just go off at him? He's just going, go to power, go to power. But it's just those little moments of, like, there's no hurry. There's no hurry. We're going to ring the bell again. We're going to ring the bell again. Like, it's so good. It's, it's it's the sly little comments that uh, start annoying Kadena, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of this this challenge, this immunity challenge, because yeah. I like the challenges where it, it's relying on relying on their strength as a team. So each person ha- only gets the one chop. So it, it 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 can't just rely on just say if Tim was still in the game and he was a, a good wood chopper, it doesn't just rely on him doing all the wood chopping. So it, it's you're as good as your weakest player. Basically, and I like those challenges because it it, it it allows a team that sort of like maybe an overall sort of you know it allows a team that just instead of just having a couple of really big players and then the rest that aren't it it makes it harder for them because you, re, you they only get just as much as go as a go as the rest of them. So I, I was a big fan of this this immunity challenge, and I like when Tapara win. You see Rob, he goes up and he just he smashes the triangle like twice. And he, I think he goes for a third and misses it. So he just the next closest thing is like the wooden post that's holding the triangle up. And then he, you actually see, you've got to watch closely, but then he kind of like smashes it onto the wood and he just goes off in the background. And the next shot you see Shona, she's got it and she's just like ringing the hell out of this triangle. And um, and in the background, Kadena continue on, and they just finish it. Even though the challenge over, they go down and they they finish it. But it was a good little moment. They're, they're obviously they've won just about everything so far, but it, they know how important it is to stay away from tribal council. And I also actually like the moment when Kadena do finish. I love Craig's frustration, and then kind of even Tapara clapping. Like oh, it's kind of odd that they've just spent the whole time bagging them out, but then they clap. So it's a nice little moment. Um, and it's actually. Two little things here to tie in because we've got some really good stuff towards the end here the, uh, before we get to tribal. Um, just before we get to this whole string of confessionals bagging out poor old Jeff, the most gratuitous bikini moment of this entire season. You thought Karen's was bad. Let's see Tapara celebrating swimming while one camera person had a very fun time with young Jane because we start off at the ankles goes slowly up to the bottom, slowly up to the top, before she turns around and walks straight back towards the camera. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna edit this and add some slow motion and I'm going to add the Baywatch theme to this because I think kind of that sums up this scene. Like, that, that doesn't age well in 2019. <laughs> it's interesting with this scene because it starts off with them walking on the beach arm in arm and it's the first time this episode that we see him arm, arm in arm. We don't see oh, it. Oh, we the... sort of saw it in the, the we, in that slow motion editing and the reward they went to and then they kind of cut away. So you cut kind it of saw it, yeah. So when I saw this, I saw him arm in arm. I'm like, oh, no, because you know I hate, you know Your I hate favorite. arm in arm. <laughs> but I have to admit, any shot of Jane in a pink bikini, and I, I'm not saying this in a slimy, sleazy way, but she is a good-looking woman, and I tell you what, like, on Survivor, they always put a character or two on there that that look great in a bikini. And can I just say, Jane, out of the 123 people that have ever played this game, I'm going to put her as number one as the best in a bikini. I don't know. Um, you look pretty good in your season. <laughs> well, and remember, Zach wasn't in bikini. He went full nude with... With Benji, Robbie, and Stevie, so they went in a bikini. They were full nude. 
And I just want to point out, like, as I just said a second ago, it wouldn't hold up well today. Now, when I say that, it wouldn't hold up well because they wouldn't do it to a woman. They do it to men. I mean, we had a lot yeah. in your season of let's perv on, you know, all the men, particularly in your yeah. tribe. So and times have changed. And yeah. yeah, look, exactly. And, and I totally agree. Look, look, they wouldn't do it now. They wouldn't do the whole, like, yeah, the, the view from the bottom all the way up, the slow motion. Um, but but in all seriousness, I just think, yeah, I, I think, you know, back then um, – it's it's they had to show some bikini shots and yeah I mean Jane that you never I'm never going to forget Jane in a pink bikini. I do love this little moment, this string of confessionals with uh, Kadena just ripping into Jeff, and I actually love the way they edit Jeff in the middle of it too. Like it's very clever. Like you wouldn't do that now. You wouldn't really interject between the tribes. So we get Deb. Jeff is despicable. Sylvan, he's a low person. But maybe my favourite one. We kind of get these niceties. Jeff, like, oh, I'm just going to do that. Cut to Naomi. He's a complete jerk. <laughs> like, the best Naomi moment we've had all season. Naomi's kind of there with Sophie. They're, like, they're kind of there. You get them a bit confused with each other, I think, sometimes, Naomi and Sophie. Um, but I just, I just love Naomi. He's a complete jerk. I can guarantee you that it doesn't matter who he's up with at the end of this game. I'm not voting for him if I'm on the jury. <laughs> and then cut to Deb. I, I'm a pretty placid person, but I haven't done Kung Fu in two weeks and I'm ready to have some practice. <laughs> I love that line. I thought that was brilliant, her mentioning that, and she's she's ready to kick this guy's ass. I want to... Generally, we kind of do this slightly in order, but I actually want to keep these two moments separate. So I'm going to keep all the Kadena stuff together and I'm just going to take out the Tapara stuff here because I feel like both need their own little moments to talk to. So we'll come back to where we go next with the Kadena. Let's just go to Tapara here. Starts off with Joel and Rob playing rock cricket with a shovel. Uh, That's kind of dangerous, I'm surprised. Like poor old Joel didn't get his head taken off there. But then we just get this fantastic little sequence. So I mentioned this earlier. Katie kind of talks up this moment where she's like, she's providing team morale. She's going around giving, you know, some support and hugging and all this sort of stuff, which is fantastic. And it's all part of her game. She's basically like, you know, let's do this. This is my point. It seems to be working. And I'm glad that I can provide that. Then we get one of the most, this is one of the most important scenes of the entire series because we get to see this several times, particularly when it comes to the reunion. It's the moment when Katie and Rob are essentially all but solidifying their alliance. And the line from Katie when she's basically, you've got a special place in my heart. I just think you're adorable. Uh, And then he's like, let's make a pact and look after each other. And then I just think it's this fantastic sequence too, because this is where they're talking ultimately about who shall we bring in. They mention Lance and Joel, and as we said before, they basically just dismiss them both straight away. So then they mention Shona's already in, but then Sophie gets brought in. They have that fantastic line, I think it's Katie who says it, where she's basically like, let's go on the notion of say nothing and know nothing. So that's keeping it secret. Again, fantastic. Sophie comes in, and... Just this moment there where she's kind of bonding with Sophie and then she says that line, I wouldn't vote for you if my life depended on it. And then maybe the most pivotal line of this season, because this is going to play into what we're going to get later on with Rob and Katie, where Rob says integrity comes into it, me saying I won't vote for you and my life on it. And he kind of does this like look as if to say, like, I guarantee you I won't. And we ultimately know that Rob is going to turn on Katie and then that is going to be what sets Katie off. All built into here, very important stuff. This is maybe, as of now, this is the most important episode for this entire season, by far. I, I think it's fantastic. People who say there's no strategy in this season, 
like they need to watch this episode and see where this is. And this also goes into what I've said a lot about modern Australian Survivor seasons. We don't have this firm narrative in three episodes in. You're struggling to even know where the game is at three episodes in. Yes, I understand there's 25 episodes compared to, to 13, but still there should be some form of narrative structure where the editors are putting together, not just a throwaway confessional from Pia in episode one. To say, oh, well, we bookended that well. So well, this is where this works so well. This is brilliant, and I love the fact that we've got this only into the third episode of this season. One of the biggest criticisms of season six was with the contenders was that we hardly saw pre-merge that any sort of talk of alliances with a lot of those contender like we didn't know like it was day 15 we still didn't know who was with who and and then people got voted out and we're like well we didn't even see anything about them and why did they get voted out what was going to it was only sort of behind the scenes that we learned what really happened where yeah you look at this this is an old school survivor but we're learning episode three and we're already learning why people are brought into a to an alliance and why someone isn't. So I really like uh, – this is one thing I really like about this episode. We, we learn in episode three why Sophie ends up going a long way. Um, it, it is a really important one. It continues on with the whole relationship with, with Rob and Katie too. And just rewinding slightly, when we were talking about that whole in the water – with the bikinis and all that, but something that you, you you only see it for a split second, but it's once again, and I alluded to it earlier where um, Rob's standing in the water and Katie's, uh, Katie's got her arms wrapped around him and sort of ends up like dragging him into the water. It's just a real quick shot. But even that, it, once again, it shows you how close their relationship was and how comfortable Katie was with Rob. And, and it's these little shots that when you watch them closely, it adds so much to the future episodes and what ends up happening, what ultimately ends up happening in the game. So, you know, I urge for people that are watching along, yeah, just watch out for those little things that you might sort of dismiss, but they're, they're important character building, you know, parts and, and especially relationship building parts of the game. And I also think it's very important too for maybe some more of our, our modern viewers who are watching this for the very first time and, it's kind of slightly odd for them to see this style of editing and this style of gameplay. Survivor at this point was purely about relationships. This is what this game is built on. Today, it's an overabundance of advantages and idols. And and what do people tune in to see? They tune in to see a blindside, you know, a, an idol being played, an advantage. David is a fantastic character. I'm talking season six, David. He's a, he's a fantastic character. He's entertaining it's great to watch someone like that on our television screens, but he's he's all flash and no substance. He's all about the the moment that is going to be played on Instagram the next day and you know replayed and talked about because that's that's the era he plays in. I'm not trying to fault him purely on that because again, that's the era of Survivor he's playing. It's no different to this is the era that Rob and Katie were playing. Again, going back to our point before where it is very hard to be able to firmly say 100% this is the greatest player of all time because you're playing in different eras. It's like comparing a, a, you know the South Sydney Rabbitohs from 1950 up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs from 2010. I mean, sure, the game is essentially the same at the core, but there's so many different elements that are going to be completely different about how you're playing you know, 60 years apart. I think it's just, to me, as someone who's grown up from the old school into the new school, I personally appreciate this style more. I appreciate seeing an alliance and a relationship built this early on the game that lasts the distance. Because tell me a 
pairing outside of maybe Lee and L that lasted the distance in Channel 10 Survivor. Jericho and Luke, maybe, but even then, Luke was gone, what, 6th, 7th? from the end so it 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 doesn't happen it, it, it no matter what version of survivor you watch it is so rare to have an alliance last longer than a couple of you know episodes really and yes again there's tribe swaps there's all these different elements to it but personally from my perspective i love this style of gameplay more i've seen people criticize rob's win saying he had it easy because he had a tribe decimated and basically it went from there onwards I would put a large portion of money on Rob and Katie and Shona and Sophie still maintaining this four, even if Kadena and Tapara went into that merge even, because at no point did Kadena ever have a solid group enough to fully take on what we have here. It is so Borneo. Again, as I said, the whole terming pagonging comes from the fact that come that merge, Targi had enough people together to pick off Pagong one by one, and they went into the merge even. So this is where this, to me, doesn't work against Rob's win. So, look, that's from my personal perspective. I obviously hold these versions of Survivor a lot higher than modern versions of Survivor, where, again, as I said, there's all flash, no substance. To me, this is substance in play, and I think this is just fantastic to watch. You did mention the Golden God, David, from Season 6. So I have to admit... They've just announced that he's on the All-Stars, and I, I am going to be looking for You know I'm a big fan of the Golden God. Um, but you are right. I mean, he's playing for the, the shock value the next day, um, you know, on social media and stuff. But he's a player, you know. He's, he plays hard, and, I mean, I love watching that, and I really appreciate how he played. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can do it in, again in All-Stars, though. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And and this is the thing too, which I think like I might I might come across a lot very negative on the modern survivor and how it is, and you know, personally to me it might not be what I enjoy. But I still like I'm with you. I I enjoy watching a David play. I I personally didn't like David. David was not someone who I enjoyed watching just because of how he did things, but he's still enjoyable. And at the end of the day, this is reality television. We want people like David because you're going to love him or you're going to hate him. That's what we want. We want a conversation. I would say that that's where Modern Survivor is better because they do maybe create more of an edit around players where you've got more of an opinion of them, where I would always say in season one, Outside of Katie in the final episode, there's not really a level of, oh, I hate this person or I love this person. And I think that's maybe where the earlier seasons of Australian Survivor fail compared to the newer versions. And and US Survivor also did do that a lot better in those early seasons. You think of Jerry, you think of Richard, you know, these were, you love them or hate them people where really we didn't have that in season one and season two of Australian Survivor. You've got to remember though that now we have all the social media, so it gives people... And, yeah. and people who watch it, the platform to Very have true. their opinions on pla- uh, on each player where before we didn't have that. So, you know, you couldn't really get on, like, you know, you couldn't get on Instagram, Facebook and have, have this big rant about who you like and who you dislike. Where, where now, and that's why someone like, like David, the Golden God, like he's such a great character because so many people, every, everyone's going to have an opinion on him and yeah. everyone's got the platform to voice that opinion. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. 
Absolutely right. And also, you, again, as we keep saying, the different eras of reality television, I mean, this is still very, very early days of reality television. For most people going out there, this was about the experience, as we've mentioned before. It was about going out there and having something new. And celebrity, if it came with it, like, it came with it. Like, it kind of was still very new. Whereas, yeah, some of these people went on to, to find fame. We'll, we'll talk about Joel, and I'm not just talking about the infamy part of Joel. Joel genuinely became a bit of a, a, a celebrity after this season. You know, he went on probably out with Rob to have the most success of someone from this season. But yeah, today it's it's a different world. You know, social media is is key. You're never going to get a an Elizabeth Hasselbeck from Australian Survivor going a uh, Survivor Australian Outback I should say going on to like host a, a primetime television show, you know, but like social media is enough for most people today. So, yeah, different times and everything along those lines. I just want to point out just really quickly here you have a thing for Davids, like Golden <laughs> God, David Haas, and then David Oldfield. Like, oh, but let's be honest. Origi- Can I just say, I know we're not on season two yet, but David Oldfield, the original puppet master. Oh. I cannot wait till we get to season hang two on, to talk all. S- sorry, Matt, to interrupt you. Please say that in Dickett's, Dicko's voice. Puppet master. <laughs> he, he's the one who calls that <laughs> the puppet master. Yeah, David Oldfield will always be known to me as the original puppet master. Yeah, but uh, d- while we're talking about David's, let's get back on track with David Haas because he has um, another good confession. So many good confessionals by David Haas. Pick a- all of them; they're all great. But he- this is where I love because this is where David knows he's in the shit. Words got out that he's trying to form this alliance with Deb and Karen and, and like he's scrambling there. Like he knows it's it, it, the words out there. He knows he's in trouble and he knows now this it's all or nothing. It's going to come down to, can he convince these, these two female, cont- uh, you know, tribe mates to vote with him. And it's, it's Deb. Deb's the one loose lips sh- sink ships. Yep. And she's yep. the one who lets it slip because she basically <sighs> tells Sylvan and then Sylvan tells I'm Craig, Deb. I know. Um, and, like, this is, you know, we're going to get Deb on in a few weeks, and this is definitely something that we will talk to her about because it's it's interesting because I don't really think we got much of an inkling from Deb that she was, you know, willing to kind of go and sort of and tell this because this is, this is where we find out that alliance is a dirty word for Kadena because it's Craig who is basically here saying, like, oh, well, our house has just been shook, you know, and then... We're going to get that when he votes for for David later on. Like you know, you will. This is your third strike. You try to form an alliance, and this is not what we were going to do. So, it's it's really strange that this kind of all of a sudden just explodes into this little situation where uh, David's been called out. Deb sort of you know let the cat out of the bag, and now all of a sudden everyone is like anti alliance. Let's be anti David. It's very strange, and and it's interesting because he he wants. Naomi off now. I don't know why he wants Naomi off. Is it because of past votes? I'm trying to think. Is I, I was trying to think of it then if she's had past votes, but he, he wants Naomi off, and that's the and and Karen's actually surprised. Like Naomi, well, why do we want Naomi off? And Naomi I was hasn't had votes at that point. Yeah, no, like... I didn't think so, and that's what's confusing. Why, why, why Naomi? Why did why was he not targeting one of the guys? I guess maybe. They'd lost, you know, already lost three trials. Maybe they think it's a strength thing. But it probably comes down to, on that past votes aspect, I think that could be an important aspect. And he's trying to get Karen and Deb on side. They're the only two who have had votes besides him. So I think it ultimately comes down to Sylvan, Craig, and Naomi have no votes against them. And then, yeah, tying into what you were saying, it's probably a strength thing. So, 
yeah, I think let's... Because like, Naomi really hasn't been prevalent at this point in the game. I, we haven't really seen much from her, even in the challenges. I mean, outside of her calling Jeff a jerk, I mean, I, I don't really know what Naomi's really been seen to be done at this point in the game. But the problem that I see with this is that means it will be 3-3. Three, three. So he's teaming up with the other two that have got votes. The other three don't. So at the end of the day, he can't... I mean one of those three would end up getting voted off anyway because it's part, it's a tie. It will come down to pass. And it could be him. So. Yeah, that's right. He's got he's pl- already got plenty of votes against him. So I'm actually surprised that he didn't try to team up and try to get Karen. Because remember, he's always wanted Karen off. The, the first two episodes, he's adamant, Karen, Karen, Karen. And now it's all of a sudden like, no, I need Karen with Deb to get one of the others out. But it doesn't make sense because none of them have got votes. They do. So he can't... The best he could do was lose one of those two and he stays on. But that, to me, comes down to the fact that maybe he was not getting along with Naomi, Sylvan and Craig. Like that, It's the only way that I can think that what, what he was thinking at that time. And I just, I think it ultimately, he's in, he's in just an impossible situation yeah. because, I mean, yeah. he's, he's said before that Sylvan, Craig and Naomi are together. So his only option is to work with Karen and Deb. The only two people have votes against them. So there's just, it's just, there's nothing he can really do. So at least if he's trying to create a bit of tension, you know, he can at least go out swinging and kind of maybe, and he, that's, I guess, what he's trying to do here. And he actually says to Karen, and I've written this down because this is one of the, my favourite lines, is he says he says to Karen that basically it's, it's one last roll of the dice and at least we go down having a go. Don't just take it, otherwise we are just copying it sweet. Great line. And he's, it's so true. And when I heard him say that, to me, like, that's exactly how I was feeling when I was at my tribal. I was, like... I was never going to cop it sweet. Like, and I, I, well, I actually say that in my episode about four times. If people go back and watch my episode, I actually say, I'm, I've never copped it sweet. I don't plan to cop it sweet, and I'm not going to cop it sweet tonight. So to hear my man, David, David <laughs> Haas, say those exact words, and I, and I didn't recall him saying that you know, when I went on the show, he, to me, me and him would actually get along very well because he's got the same mindset as I had playing as the fact that, you know what? If you're on the bottom and you're and uh, you know you're going to go down, don't just go down without a fight. Go down swinging, and whatever you do, never cop it sweet. And that to me is, you know, how people have this opinion of like, oh, if I'm going to go out, I want to go on a blind side. Like, oh, no, bugger that. To, to, no. to me, I, I I would not want to go on a blind side. I would, would want to be in your situation or David's situation where I want to know I'm going home, but I'm going to create some fucking drama as I'm going out the door. When I hear people say, oh, I want to go out in a blind side, I feel like slapping their face. Honestly, it's, that annoys the shit out of me. No, you go out giving it your all, trying to whatever, whatever tactic. I know when you're at the bottom or second bottom or when you're when you are in big trouble and sometimes you need a miracle, sometimes you just – it could be just trying to get some confusion going on. Sometimes it's luck, honestly. But if you're just going to sit there and think, oh, well, I'm just going to sit here – Get out and say, "Oh, it's a blind side. I didn't see it coming." That's that's the worst way. I'm sorry. That that's worse than getting voted out first. Trust me. Mm, no, I I would agree with that. Couple of nice little pearls here, though. Um, I mentioned to you off air. I think this is the episode of the word shit, because uh, when Sylvan eventually comes to Craig and says, "You know, oh, Dave was trying to form an alliance," we get this like awkward little pause, and then Craig's just like, "Shit, 
and then we get that later on through that little section you were talking before when Dave is going to Karen. Uh, and I think he, he utters the words like, otherwise we'll be dead men walking. And he's sort of saying like the three of us can control this thing if we pull this off. And then Karen just awkward little pause. Shit. <laughs> like, it's just, I love the pause followed by the shit. And, and while all this is going on, I think we've skipped over this. While all this was going on, d- d- Sylvan breaks the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's so just casual. To- it's so silver because he's just like, I broke the toilet seat. I think it's because I'm just lethargic and tired. David Hart is scrambling for his life and then it's a shot shot of silver. No, broke the toilet seat. Oh, it's gone. But like, I also just want to point out, again, Craig really starting to come through here. Because Craig has some great liners here when, you know, as I said, he's like talking about, you know, oh, you know, our little house is, is finally starting to fall together. Um, and then he sort of has that moment when he's like talking about like David's trying to attack the girls. And there's actually a really subtle little great Craig moment where Craig just doesn't even, like Craig's almost a bit sylvan where he doesn't even know where, where he is. Cause he's like, you know, oh, what can we do but laugh? What are we on? Day six, seven? I don't know, but the wheels have fallen off. <laughs> But this is like oh. Craig, Craig really turns into one of the best people in this entire season. Like, it's a slow build, but come the merge. Craig, for those first three episodes post-merge, he's the star of this season. Like, Craig is just great. Yeah, he's definitely... We're definitely finally in this episode seeing why Craig got on the show. And he, he does. He ends up being one of the one of the best characters in, in the Kadena tribe. So, it's, yeah, it only gets better from here on in. Let's get to the tribal, and look, I think it's it's going to be unanimous. David's gone. Uh, sorry, sorry here, Matt. We'll, we'll, we will eulogize him. But I just... A um, couple of things here before I get to Lincoln is a dick uh, moment of the week. And actually, sad moment too this week. We sadly don't have a random David Haas quote of the week. We, we don't really have one. David just got great quotes this week, so we're not going to have another one ever again. But um, a couple of little bits. Did you notice that majority of these players have two buffs? Because... Yeah. What is no. like? Because I, I think back in American Survivor, they used to get given a head and a body buff, like back in the day. So I'm I'm not sure if that's maybe the case here. Because if you look at Deb, she's got one around her neck and a head, and Craig's got one around his head and around his arm as well. Yeah, no, I've 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 always known that that they had more than the one buff. I actually don't quote me on this. I had a feeling that one was bigger. That one was the one that they could. Yeah. That's fit. not saying like the body one. Cause that's yes. what I'm pretty sure American survivor used to get given a body one and like a, a smaller head one. Yeah. From, from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong, but from what I believe, um, is that one was a body one and one was a, a normal, a normal buff in saying that though, can I just say that as much like, I, I like the fact now that they only, you only have the one. I, I just think, it's it's and I've mentioned this before. It's it's kind of like the baggy green, like in yeah. Test cricket. Like once you get one, like that's it. Like you don't get another one, you know. And they don't even repair them. Like you look at the cricketers now, and they they've got bits missing off it, and they, and that's actually like it's actually a good thing. Like that shows you how long you've played the game for, you know, how many tests you've played. So it's like an honor if it's filthy. Um, I like, I like that with the buff too. I think having multiple buffs, I don't like that. I like the fact now you get one and you cherish it. And if the longer you play the game, the filthy it gets and the more sort of, yeah, it older it looks. And, and that's the advantage. You know, it's sort of something good when you get far into the game that you have this old buff. Unless you have to bloody burn it, which I would be kicking, screaming if you, have to burn the goddamn thing. Um, I, I do love that line from Karen 
where she's like, oh, we want the silly bell. <laughs> that's, that's a quote of a lot of fans. A lot of people don't like the uh, the immunity uh, bell. Lincoln. Uh, so go ahead. Go ahead, Matt, before I get no, to Lincoln. It's, it's funny. You, you just said Lincoln. I was going to say that straight away. We Lincoln's freezing, as always, at... Uh... On the on the great beyond boat at tribal is the only one he doesn't he doesn't get to put a jacket on or he's he's full professional, and I like how he says that uh, it's freezing and there's thirty knot winds. Well, this is what I love about Lincoln turning into a bit of a dick this tribal because he starts off so nice. Lincoln's Lincoln's talking up the weather like he's just like ha ha. How about these weather guys? Oh, thirty knot winds, bloody oath. You know, like good old nice old Lincoln. But then it's just—it's just like something flicks in his brain. It's just like he's just sick of seeing him. He, he doesn't like these people because he just basically turns in. And he's like, "The only ones I see here are you." Yeah. <laughs> and basically, it turns into I've written these down. These are the Lincoln Dick quotes of the week. And I, Lincoln, um, if you're listening, I hope this is the only time we ever have to do this because it's great. I love this. Only ones I see here are you. Followed by, "Do you choke?" Yeah, Followed by, um, Lincoln then says that Tim is an experienced woodchopper to basically saying, like, um, oh, it just goes to show that it's very important how you vote to strengthen, not weaken your tribe. And then he's like, oh, he may have been able to help you. Uh, Like, in what ever in Survivor has, like, somebody, like, Jeff has ever turned around and gone, oh, you just voted out Cliff. He was a former NBA player. Well, sucks to be you with that basketball challenge we just had. I like how I like how I mean Kadena already at the bottom of the barrel. Like these guys cannot win an immunity challenge. They're dropping like flies. <laughs> and then here's Lincoln, like it's freezing on his boat, and he's just kicking them while they're down. Like he's just like, you know what? You just voted out a guy that could have helped in this challenge. Like basically, like you morons. I love it. I, I think it's I think it's good. But you know what? I think he's also trying to wake these people up. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing. But like it even gets worse because. David goes, and can I just put out the way David, uh, Lincoln does the whole thing when he's like, David, one more and that would be enough. Um, and then, like, <laughs> votes him out. And then, instead of, like, the words of wisdom from Jeff or JLP's scripted moment that makes no sense in the context of the vote, Lincoln Howells turns around and says, you're down to five. Tapara's still got eight. You go back to camp. <laughs> Well, oh, hey. I love you, Lincoln. You are an absolute dick this week. And every single moment, it's just like, it needs to be followed by, ooh, and burn. Oh, no, you didn't. Well, <laughs> it must it must have sunk in because the next episode, things change for him. Yeah, there you go. You've, you've cracked it, Matt. This, Lincoln is just too nice. Every single tribal, he's just like, guys, what about the weather? How's the kids? You know, oh, nice. You watched the game last night. This week, he's like, oh, how's the weather? Oh, fuck, you guys are here again. You guys suck. Do you choke? They've got eight. You've got five. Nah, 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 nah. And, oh, you voted out of woodchopper, you dickheads. <laughs> no, it is it is brilliant. He's just he's sick of seeing their mugs, let's be honest. But uh, but in the end, yeah, it's, it's a unanimous vote. So everyone votes for David. David votes for Craig. And um, I do like when Craig does his vote. I think he's the only one that we actually see talk when he does his vote. And he basically tells David that it's strike three. It's strike three for him. the alliance. And that he's, uh, yeah. Which and is a weird he's thing. stepping over the line, obviously, because yeah. He's, yeah, he's trying to work against him. And uh, I, I did like that saying, basically, strike three, you're out. 
Actually, one thing I noticed at Tribal as well is when they go to vote, because you know how Lincoln will unveil the votes in kind of like a circular, he unrolls them. If you actually look when they're voting, they've got like little rings that obviously hold the votes together, which I've never really noticed before, which is kind of a cool little thing. Um, yeah, but sadly, David goes now... We've, we've, we've had three episodes of Talk This Guy Up. Last week, obviously, we named the entire episode after him. And look, I, I honestly don't think we've got a whole lot more to add because ultimately I think we've, we've sold him quite well. I think we really have sold David quite well. And look, we've obviously been in contact with him. You've done your great job, your police work as usual, and you've found him. And we're hoping that that will be able to come very soon when we come back early in the new year that could even potentially be the first episode we bring you in 2020 so um we we don't know as of as of right now but hopefully that will be something that we can lock in for you when we do return and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening at the end of this episode of course very very shortly but look i i will just say quickly i've i found a, a huge new appreciation for david he's really someone who if I'm honest, I didn't really have an opinion on. It was just like, oh, he's the third boot. Cool. Um, but, like, I, I really think in summarizing this with you, it, it comes down to finding these little, you know, eccentricities from him and all these kind of little quirks. And just the fact that, as, as you've said plenty of times, he's ahead of his time. I think he really is ahead of his time in Australian Survivor. Um, if we were to do the ranking similar to what we did on the Oz Network a few years ago, I can't even remember where I put him. You know, I, I don't know where half of those people were put because, you know, again, it had been a while since I'd watched these seasons, so I wouldn't even hold them to gospel and how all over the shop they were. But I, I would put him on paper, you know, better than maybe half of the players on this season, better than probably two-thirds of the players on the next season. Uh, and ahead of a good majority, well, maybe not a majority, but a good portion of the Channel 10 players. So, yeah, definitely ahead of his time. And and fun fact for you, Matt, born in Paris, France. Ah, I well, that answers my... I actually asked you, Ben, does he speak French? And I didn't know that he was born in Paris, France. Just, so well, according to act- the official handbook... Place of birth, well, Paris, France. That actually explains a lot of things. I'm not going to say how I tracked him down, but when I did track him down, it let's just say it had something to do with fr- France and French language, and uh, so that yeah, I, I didn't know that. So that's something we're definitely going to um, to talk about. And I dare say he's the only Australian Survivor contestant ever born in France. I would say you would be correct. I think, I mean, we found out Tim was born the last two boats. Maybe maybe just see if people know they're born overseas because Tim was born in London, so Dave was born in Paris. So, like, just yeah. Kadena hate people born in Europe, apparently. Yeah. And I did like the fact when the credits come up and you see all the votes and, and David gives his his last speech, you know, and uh, he, he actually mentions that fact that he believes it was a mistake that, that himself yeah. and uh, Tim... Tim and himself went so early, and and of course we learned that he's spot on. It was a massive mistake, but I like the fact that he sort of finished off on that. He 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 wasn't he didn't appear angry. He was happy. He said he's looking forward to going home, seeing his family. He's, he's clearly a family man, but um, I did like the fact that he just slipped that in and said, you know what? I think it's a, a big mistake letting myself and Tim go so early, and and the man was right. And and just just a little bit a little bit more about um, what you're saying about where he fits in, um, you know with all the other contestants that have ever played Australian Survivor, um, I think it would be hard to find a better third boot in Australian Survivor history. And I totally agree. He would be in my top, at least my top 60, at least, like easily my top 60 
best players, you know, so at least half, you know, he's in the top half of, of, of best players that uh, Australian Survivor have had, but I, I would find it hard to find a better third boot than him. All right, well, let's look at those. We have David. Next season, this spo- sorry if these are spoilers. We don't really ever warn people for spoilers. I mean, if you're listening to this, it's a history podcast. You know, it's not like we're covering World War Two and go spoiler alert: Germany don't win. Um, <laughs> the Titanic yeah. sinks. Yeah. Oh fuck, Matt. What? No, don't tell me that. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Fiona, Fiona Horn in season two. Evan Jones. Oh, I was a bit of an Evan fan in season Evan's three. Good. I liked Evan. Uh, Kate Temby in season four. Don't know if I remember too much about her. Uh, I, you know, I do, but like, yeah. Uh, Damien was a bit of a shock vote from uh, your season, maybe. And uh, Susie Maroney from the most me- recent season. So, I, I look, I'm saying this right now. He is the best third boot of all time. <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly say that Fiona Horn was a pretty good third boot. Yeah. We've got a, no, we've Fiona, got a lot the, the, yeah. Fiona Horn when we get to season two. But he's definitely, I mean, he's. Oh, I still say he's the best third boot we've ever had. Look, I think you would almost rank the third boots in chronological order. I think you'd yeah. go David, you'd go Fiona, then you'd go Evan, then you would go Kate, and then you would go Susie. So, oh, and Damien. Sorry, I forgot Damien. Uh, oh, Damien was pretty cool. I, I like Damien. That was that was almost like the Hunter Ellis vote. Like you weren't expecting him to go that early. So, no. Um, yeah, no, that was that was an- one thing I want to just quickly add before we uh, wrap this up for another week. You know, we talked a little bit about in the the last episode we recapped. That, um, you know, it was kind of a bit odd that uh, you didn't really get a sense of who was going home, like kind of the way it was edited. I think it's improved a lot this week. I think definitely it was kind of obvious Dave was going home if you want to be completely fair. But I, they did do a nice balancing sort of act there kind of with him trying to work the thing. But during the during the week sort of when we recorded this, I actually, um, you know, had a bit of a chat with Lincoln. And Lincoln brought up a very good point, actually, uh, when he sort of commented on what we were saying around that. And he was he was basically saying that at that point in reality television, it actually wasn't considered the right thing to do to kind of show people in negative lights and to kind of not show things that weren't natural because Cable pointed that out several weeks ago now where kind of this was the thing about reality television at that point in time was that it was all about being natural. It wasn't about this false editing. Today, of course, in, in Survivor, it's all about taking a confessional from here, a confessional from there, splicing things up, splicing a person's facial reaction with another person's comment, making it all fit into the narrative that they're trying to tell you rather than what actually happened. So... I think that's a very, very important point to Lincoln to raise up and, and one that is 100% true. I think you can't argue with that for sure. And that's it's very interesting that while we were talking about that last episode, here we are in the third episode and it's basically just completely going against what we were saying that, oh, they don't do a really good job of showing who's going home. This, I mean, this is the best edited episode of the season by far. And I, I really don't find a flaw in any of the editing in this episode. I think this episode was pretty on the point when it comes to editing. I think everything in this was narratively beautiful. Beautiful, that's not the word I was looking for. Narratively on point. And I think for a grand scheme of the season, we've sold ourselves there. For David's character arc, I think it's summed him up fantastically in three episodes. We've got, you know, groundwork laid for people like Craig. Um, I think Naomi, you know, is kind of still on the fringe there. We've kind of learnt that she's close with Craig and that's going to be very important. Sylvan, we joke about him, but I kind of think it is very important in his character arc that he is so all over the place and bipolar, loving it, hating it, loving it, hating it. Deb is 
clearly on side here, but she's going to have an injury, which is going to affect her point in the game. Karen is kind of just there. She's got some good points, and she's thinking all over the place. And then, obviously, we know everything that's going on over in Tapara. So, um, thanks. I really appreciate chatting to Lincoln and sort of giving these tidbits, and I'm sure we'll get plenty more. I'm sure he's going to... I don't know. I want, Lincoln, Lincoln, I want you to send me five dick moments about our episode this week. I want you to give us some dick points about what we've done wrong this week so we can be better next week and win. But, uh, yeah, anyway, great edited episode. I, I was a little critical during our um, second recap about how half the episode they concentrated on Jeff so much. I actually take that back, and I, and I, and I wish I didn't say that now because I understand now why they did it because they, I think – you're spot on about this episode was really well edited. We we got a good understanding why David went home. You know, he was always sort of on the outs and you know, his time was up where I don't think there wouldn't have been time to, to have all the Jeff moments in this episode. And of course we know what happens next episode. So I think it's, I, I actually take it back. I, I was looking back now. I was too critical. I'm actually am glad that they did show a lot of Jeff in, in episode two. And this, again, all comes down to what we're trying to sort of do with this season in talking about it and going over, like, all these little moments and everything that that ultimately are important and that, again, as we always keep saying and we will keep saying in every single episode, we, we can definitely understand why people have a certain viewpoint of this season, but... Hopefully, like through the the person that you know messaged you during the week is obviously watching along with us, and anybody who's watching along with us is to just try and kind of watch this in those lenses that we keep talking about a different lens. You know, you can't watch this, you know, through the modern lenses and expect the same product. It's like watching, you know, a brand new Disney Star Wars movie and then going back and watching the original and expecting the special effects to be exactly the same. It's it's not it's not possible. It's different eras things change over time, some from the better, some from the worse, and vice versa. So, yeah, and I, I hope we are achieving that for, for you listening at home. And because, you know, we're learning as well. Like, you're hearing Matt and I. Like, our, our perspectives are changing. We're appreciating things more. And I think that's what's great about a project like this is to really, you know, solidify this moment in time when this was happening the context of what this season was like and and really trying to sort of put it into comparison to what we're used to today compared to what we were back then. We've lost a, a true legend of the game in David Haas, and I think it's only fitting. Ben, do we have some sort of like sad music or something, some tribute music that we can we can end this episode with? Because I tell you what, I mean, we've lost the king of Kadena. He should never be forgotten. And I think it's only fitting that the that, that the king, the king of Kadena gets a gets a king's farewell. I'm hearing some sort of violins going on in the background right now, so I think kind of this is this is a bit of a tribute. I feel while these are playing, give me thirty seconds of, of final tribute to the man himself because I feel that whenever we do eventually get him on the show, I'm gonna be sitting here twiddling my thumbs because I feel like you're just gonna be having an erection over this guy. I hope I haven't uh, uh, got a bit too sus on him and he's, he's, he's now not going to come on the show because he's thinking I'm some sort of, uh, as Luke would say, I'm creeping on him. But uh, That's all right. When but, Katie um, comes on, she knows that's going to be, you know, at least I've talked to Katie before, so it's, it's fine. No, but the man is really, is uh, a true legend and I've really, this is something like doing this whole podcast and going back and watching the seasons. He really has been a, a highlight for me because I will admit I'd forgotten about David Haas and 
after watching this, I mean, I'll never forget him now. And uh, yeah, he's just he's a true great character of this show, and I can't wait to talk to him. And I'm gonna Ben, I'm gonna brush up on my my French because it sounds like oui. he's born in Paris, France. I think I need to, you know, start brushing up on my uh, French because it's been like what since year nine, I think, the last time I ever. Uh, spoke French, so you know how that fared for me a couple of weeks ago with Lucinda, mate. So um, you know, I um, yeah, uh, bonjour, we je m'appelle Ben Nerd. Um, actually, we could say Merd to him a lot because you know we had shit a lot in this episode, so we could just say Merd to him plenty of times. Um, thanks for that violin playing uh, Sylvan in his fantasy world. I believe that was him playing in there. Uh, next week, we won't be here. We're going to take a couple of weeks off over Christmas and come straight back into it in 2020 as we continue our look at Season 1. Hopefully, our first episode might be a David Haas interview. And if that doesn't happen, we're going to be back for an Episode 4 recap from Season 1 of Australian Survivor. And judging on the preview that we saw at the end of this week, we're going to be talking about bees and orgies. So... <laughs> Get excited, kids. Bees and orgies. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, But as always, we we definitely appreciate your support in listening to the show. Uh, Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all our relevant channels, iTunes. Leave us some feedback, that would be fantastic. Instagram, we're not quite near that 1,000 mark yet. Matt wants to show his audition tape. 500 gets him swinging on a vine. It's going to happen one day, folks. We We might take 20 years. He might be in a Zimmer frame by the time he's swinging on a vine. He might break your hip or something like that. I don't know. But it's going to happen one day. I've probably played in one Survivor by the time we bloody see it, let's be honest. Um, but yes, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. My name is Ben, and I'm just going to go bugger off to Sylvan's Fantasy World because I want to see Esther and eat some cereal for lunch. It does sound like a good world, doesn't it? My name's Matt, and I'm going to have one last roll of the dice because remember, you never cop it sweet. Don't understand what it's like to have a vote cast against you until it's happened to you. I feel, I I feel bad that you feel like this, man. I'm feeling like well. shit, you know. Mm. I'm feeling heavy because you're saying this. Like, it's my fault that I didn't get a vote, you know. I'm mm. sorry. I remember you saw surviving on rice and, uh, you know, the seafoods. The fruit. That's why I'm this most. It's filling out. filling out, eh? It's yeah. filling out. I'm a man! <laughs> I'm having this overwhelming feeling and it's getting all a bit too cheesy and it's starting to, starting to get to me. Probably I'm a bit raw with it. Just the constant niceness is just starting to get to me. I'm, you know, for God's sake, we're out. <laughs> Fly-ridden, hot, arid Australia. Sorry, you can have the first bit of rice, you know. Just grab it, you know, just get amongst it, you know. Reel up a bit, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Now I'll go up and slap some bags. Man, I'm going to get pizza and beer first day I get off here. Cold pizza for breakfast is just the best. I know. It's like, it gets better. Mate, I'm sorry. I can see right through that. You know what I mean? You're spending all the time in the bloody hammock, doing nothing, can't even boil the bloody water. This is fantasy silver. Everybody's having pastry for breakfast. There's a siesta. But I just got a special place in my heart for (laughs) you. I just think you're adorable. Can you believe this weather? One thing that's not changing at the moment is your appearance here at Tribal Council. Oh, stop! You're the only ones I see here. Do you choke? Damn!
Did anyone know that Tim was actually a very experienced woodchopper? Damn, man. Kadita, you're down to five. Tapara is still at full strength with eight tribe members. I think he's a complete jerk. I get along with Craig well. You know, we're similar ages and, you know, both guys at school, you know. And because of that, we get along. And the girls just love being around because they're girls. Too. Shit. Shit. Shit.